from the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good morning, as the case may be, across all these many varied time zones, from the Tahitian and Hawaiian island chains, eastward, across this great nation, to the Caribbean and the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north to the pole, and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM. And over on the other coast, we would like to welcome WFPG AM in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And they're uh, 1450 on the uh, dial. Welcome, Atlantic City. Great to have you on board. I live uh, about 65 miles over the hill from the other great gambling center in America, Las Vegas. So now we've got them both. And our affiliate there, KXNT. Well, all right. I have had a long, long abiding interest in two things this audience would know. One is time travel, the possibility of time travel. And the other, of course, is a related incident, uh, the Philadelphia Experiment. And I've got somebody tonight who can speak on these items. His name is Dr. Fred Bell, and I'll tell you more about him shortly. I would like to note that in the window described by Jim Berkland, the geologist last night, as you know, we are still in it, and I just heard an announcement of a major 7.0 earthquake near the Philippines. So I thought I would call that to your attention. Well, all right, now, who is Dr. Fred Bell? We're about to find out. He is a former NASA engineer and physicist who is internationally known as an expert on preventative medicine, nutrition, and as a lecturer on extraterrestrial science. That is interesting. But uh, what I would like to talk to him about tonight is and we'll touch on the pyramids, because I know he knows something about that. As a matter of fact, his company is Paradigm Inc. And uh, he knows something about time travel, and something about that great experiment that was said to have taken place in Philadelphia uh, during the uh, Second World War to uh, render a ship invisible. Uh, here is Dr. Fred Bell, and Dr. Bell, where are you located? I'm located in Laguna Beach, California. Okay. Uh, your Ph.D. is in homeopathic medicine, that's, right? That's correct, Art. And where is that from? Bernadine University in Pasadena. Okay, and your master's in physics. Yeah, that's from the United States uh, Armed Forces Institute, USAPA Institute. Um, these are pretty touchy, strange subjects. Um, both of them. Um, I, I'm going to begin by asking you what you know about time travel. Uh, is time travel possible? It's possible. Uh, You've got to understand a couple things. A lot of people don't understand exactly how time works. You need to understand the nature of time itself. All right, let's begin there. Yeah. Um, you know, if I were to, if you were to walk into a room and look at it, you know, and there's a chair sitting there, you recognize the chair or any object in the chair. Yes. And it's a, it's a traditional recognition. It's a thought process. You probably think, oh, it's a wooden chair. Maybe this was built in uh, 
England or someplace was an antique chair 100 years ago, and chairs have probably been around for 5,000 years. You, you get this whole process going about identity, and that is a that is basically the energy of your consciousness going through a recognition process. And so uh, all of the people on the earth are in agreement that they're on the earth. They look up in the sky, they see the sky, they see the stars and things. So they 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 all understand this becomes a mutual thought form everywhere. And different there's different levels of consciousness. There's seven different levels of consciousness, but we're, for the, the for the, right now discussion, we'll just we're talking about the physical plane. And when you start to realize the physical plane, you realize that the time that we're experiencing is right at this moment. There's no guarantee that you'll even take your next breath or even the world will be here. That's true. Yeah. So what happens is uh, the whole illusion of, of this, this, this form that we're into, this matter in space, you know, is taking place in a period of what we call time, so we can reference ourselves to it. If you were to imagine time as, uh, as something in space, you can imagine it as like a comet, and we are in the uh, in the nose of the comet, in the front part of the comet, and behind us is the path. So the energy of the path is trailing behind us. So the easiest thing for time travelers to do would be go into the path. There is no future on the physical plane to time. There's absolutely none at all. But if you start to realize the next level of consciousness where humans go after they're running around on the physical plane at the end of the day, they go to sleep and they go into a dream world, which is called the astral plane. On the astral plane, we dream about probability. We dream about things that could happen, things that have happened. And there's a whole battery or consciousness of energy there occupying a different time. So if we were to go into the future, we would only be experiencing a series of probabilities that could happen based on what's going on in the present. Okay, so let me boil this down. Yeah. Uh, we live in the now, the here and now, the physical plane. Right. Um, I understand what you say when you suggest we're like a comet. In other words, we're going forward in the present, and then there is a past that is behind us. Right. Um and in that world, in that sense, you cannot travel into the future. Because there is no future on the physical plane. There is none. But on the astral plane? Then there are a series of probabilities. Now, when you, what is, so many people use that phrase, astral plane. Uh, we use it when we hear about out-of-body experiences. Uh, we use it when we, um, uh, e even I believe when we talk about remote viewing and other disciplines that travel in that plane. What is it? It's simple. What it is, is first of all... Do uh, doctor, you don't happen to have another phone there, do you? This one is uh, not particularly a good phone. Uh, we don't have a particularly good connection. Well, what I could do is I could go and get a different instrument and switch it into this jack that I'm into and see if that's any better. All right. Why don't we try that? Okay, you have to put me on hold. So I, uh, I will put you on hold uh, indeed. Stand by. Uh, Dr. Fred Bell is my guest, and I want to be very sure that I hear this. Let me uh, remind you of some of the things on the website that you can go and see right now. There are We have a new cat page, and uh, there are some of the most remarkable photographs of cats in there. Be sure you see the 50-foot cat. You're not going to miss that one. Uh, you're definitely not going to want to miss it. We've got more stupid stories on the Darwin page. Uh, that, that is, um, 
some human being that contributes mightily to the gene pool by doing away with themselves in some unique and usually rather comical way. There is an aura imaged with Curlian photography that I am fascinated with, as you will be on the graphics page. There is a photograph uh, from Kansas alleging to be the Virgin Mary crying tears of blood. It's a good quality photograph. You decide. NASA's X-Series spacecrafts out on our space page. And we have what we believe to be an artist's conception or image of the aurora, if it is not one of these. So, um, there's all kinds of uh, meteor impact images on the space page. The harp signal as it came through. Uh, the Las Vegas uh, Sun article and uh, so much more at www.artbell.com, www.artbell.com. Let us see if Dr. Bell is there. Are yeah. you? Are you? Yeah. Um, okay, doctor, uh, say a few words to me. Can you hear me a little bit better now? I think so. Okay, I switched phones. Same line, but different, different instruments, a newer phone. Okay, I think it's a bit better. Okay. Um, all right, so what is... The astral plane. I've always wanted a good description of uh, that. You got to understand uh, a little bit about the human body first. If, if you were to uh, realize the human aura, I know you know quite a bit about auras, but they... no, I don't. Okay, well, I want to know something about them. Yeah, well, I'll just give you a, a brief, brief description of the body. The body has seven different glands inside of it called endocrine glands, and each one of these endocrine glands has hormones in it, and these hormones. He represent a level of consciousness. So each level of consciousness represented in the seven endocrine glands because there's seven levels of consciousness and seven sets of hormones. When these hormones go into the bloodstream, they go up to the brain. When they go up to the brain, they switch synapses called receptors and effectors. The receptor is a synapse that's normally open, and when the hormone crosses the, uh, the, the blood-brain barrier, it closes it, causing an electrical current to flow. And when there's another synapse that's normally uh, closed, and when the uh, hormone arrives there, it opens it, and that's called the effector. So this closing on and closing off of, of uh, signals uh, creates an electrical flow because the brain has solutions in it that are like electrolytes, which is a whole other story. I have to tell you the story about that sometime in, in radiation in the Japanese in World War II we went through at the University of Michigan experimenting. But anyway, so what happens is these receptors start turning on and turning off electrical currents that go down through the spinal cord. When they go down through the spinal cord, they go down through the different axons. These are wires in the body that are uh, sodium, potassium, phosphorus pumps, and they create electrical flow. You have 72,000 major wires going from the base of the spine down through the spinal cord. This flow, this flow of energy creates a magnetic field around the body. Anytime you have a, a, uh, a wire... Uh, with electricity moving through it, you'll have magnetism at right angles. There's no difference in the human right, being. Right, and and so that is the aura, that which That's is captured on uh, Curlian photography, is right, that right? Right, right, and on Curlian photography, depending on uh, the body is made up of oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, and carbon, three, three uh, uh, gases in a solid, so depending on the frequency of the hydrogen atom, because the hydrogen atom is most keyed, will show up what frequency of the color is that comes out on the human aura. All right. Uh, do you have uh, access to the internet, doctor? Yeah, we do. We we even have paradigms even on on the internet. We're on the dot com paradigm. 
Uh, I'm sorry, www. Yeah, hang on a second. I'll ask. Very Paradigm. important. Paradigm.com is our is our uh, is our. That's uh, P Y R D Y N E. What? No, I thought it was. Well, your paper says P Y R A D Y N E. That's correct. Yeah. All right, so it's www.paradigm.com. Yeah, www.paradigm.com. I think that's right. All right. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Internet surfer, but I'm learning, you know. All right. Uh, on yeah, my Okay, on my website, uh, I take it your wife is there with you. Yeah, she's here. Is she able to uh, get into the Internet? Uh, she can't now because the line that we're on I see. is our Internet line for the house here. All right. Um, well, well, I've got more to, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I've got a photograph of a young lady yeah. uh, and her aura, and it is quite a remarkable photograph. Right. Uh, showing, uh, oh, gosh, it's almost hard to explain. It's it's like the, uh, it's almost like the Alaskan uh, northern lights right. around her. Right. Very hard to describe. You've got to see it. And so that is what? A magnetic... Well, that's, that, radiation. It's, it's, it's magnetic. It's magnetic on one frequency. Remember, you know, everything is vibration. So you can have sound at one frequency, light color at another. Correct. There's different octaves of the same thing. So it starts out on a magnetic level and shifts up into light frequencies. For example, in order for the human for the human eye to perceive light, the electrical impulses inside the body have to run at the same fr frequency as the outer world right. in order to perceive the same right. sound. I've got it. Right. Right. So anyhow, that's the, that's the five senses. Then what happens is when you take an individual, if you had only one person in the world, only one individual living in the world, then that person would have no personality. But as soon as you bring two individuals together, you have the interchange of, of the auras, the magnetic exchange between the two people, and, and now you have a personality. One person would have no personality. No, because what are they going to reflect off of? Nothing. They would, they would have nothing to characterize themselves. That's why in extreme isolation... Look at Howard Hughes, how strange he got by, you know, he had a personality, but, I mean, That's when you start true. isolating yourself for a long period of time, your personality begins to fade, you know, you begin to lose track of who you are. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. You've you got to have encounters, you know, to keep, keep to react to these encounters, you know, and then that, then that creates what's called karma. And this energy, this energy that is an emotional exchange of energy, and that builds a field up around you and around the other individual. Now, if you add a third person, Okay, if you have three people, now you have a triune of energy, and now you've created uh, a, a, a second aspect of karma, which is dharma, or you've created a race. Well, then usually you have a war. Yeah, you usually have a war, but <laughs> it's true. I mean, if you think about what's wrong with the earth, you know, well, one of the things of the earth right now, it's got uh, literally billions of people on it, and these billions of people, they're summating aura field, the, the, the summation aura frequency of all of them, is in direct conflict with nature. That's why we, we have all this violence and all this stuff. And until we start addressing these racial situations, we're not going to be able to balance the energy properly on this planet, you know? All right, well, but anyhow, I... I'll get, so I'll get back to the astral plane now, right? Yes. Okay, so now now if you have, let's say, four people or more, you have a, a, a peripheral field of these four individuals, and that peripheral field of the summation of their auras is called the astral plane. If one of those persons, let's say you had four people, one of those persons disincarnated, so you only had three on the physical plane, that person's soul would now go into the aura field of the other three, and whatever their belief systems would be their heaven world. Okay? No, wait a minute. Whoa. 
Yeah. Uh, one person disincarnates. Dies? You mean dies? Dies, yeah. They go out of their body. Now what happens is whatever the belief system of the four is, the, the fourth person is now sharing that belief system, and he's in that aura field. Okay? He's in that aura field out of body in, a, in, a, in, a, in an astral plane. Okay? You're beginning to lose me here. Well, okay. Um, I always thought that a person had a spirit, a soul, right. their own aura, but right. what does it have to do with anybody else's aura or spirit? Okay, because, you know, the Egyptians were very big on this. I don't know if you've studied, probably have. Well, I don't know what they were big on or not. Well, they were big on, on respecting the human body, because the Egyptians knew, you know, one of the reasons they did the embalming ceremony with some of the higher kings, well, the priests started doing it later, but they weren't basically in their society authorized, is to tell the world, you know, to preserve and respect the human what, the human body here on the physical plane. We, if, you, if we didn't have any physical plane, we'd have a real problem incarnating here because everybody would be on the astral plane. Right. So we need to have the physical plane. But the belief system that are established on the physical plane become a reality in the hereafter. Not forever, not for eternity, but for a time, for a time period, which is another time period, another, another series of times that's interrelated with the time here. But for, if we were looking at it, it would be a much longer time period than we have here. And that becomes the astral plane. And then, of course, the next plane is a plane beyond that. If you were to go into physics, you would go into atomic particles, you know, atoms. Then you go into subatomic particles, and you go into, like, sub-subatomic particles. We'd go from, you know, we'd be going from electrons and protons into hadrons into quarks into omegons and on and on and on as a physicist. Mm -hmm. this, this is just the, the particle standpoint of how the progression goes, Okay. So when we would deal with the astral plane, we would be dealing with the hereafter and the area uh, of the human soul going through that lesson of incarnating and going to the astral plane and incarnating. In other words, the doctrine of reincarnation takes place until the soul realizes that journey isn't necessary any longer mm -hmm. and the person goes into a transcendental, higher, more inner spot. All right. We're, we're, yeah. uh, I don't know how far out you want to go with this. Not very. Uh, what I really want to know about is yeah. is time travel. Yeah, well, we're we're working on it here, you know. Now, si now, if you were to, for example, get into a Pleiadian spaceship, and I'm sure you, your listeners are probably familiar with uh, some of the Pleiadian uh, photos that have been taken by Billy Meyer and and the, and the talk about Pleiadian ships, and you were to go into one of the, some sh ship that's capable of going the fastest speed of light and beyond. Basically, what would happen as you accelerate up towards the um, the speed of light and beyond, yes. size and relative to this, your, your physical size and relative to the physical plane becomes very small until you, until you become atomic in size. You follow me? Yes. Okay. And so this is what happens, for example, uh, at death when somebody, you know, a moment that the, the, they die, an ounce of body change, weight changes, because the consciousness has accelerated its energy and it's accelerating into a, the speed of light, and so therefore it, it takes an energy out of the body and it drops like an owl, okay? So that these energies are going into the astral plane. All right, Doctor. Um, we'll pick up with the astral plane when we get back. My guest is Dr. Fred Bell, and uh, we're off somewhere into the astral plane. We will be talking about time travel and the Philadelphia experiment coming up. You're listening to the CBC Radio Network.
toll-free. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. It is, and my guest is Dr. Fred Bell, and he'll be back in a moment. Uh, we've got on the website now um, a very interesting photograph. It is uh, an artist's conception, and a very good one. I think it's an artist's conception, of um, the Aurora aircraft. Now, if you look at the X series of aircraft, uh, recently declassified photographs that we've got up there, and compare it to what the artist believes, I think that's an artist's photograph, the Aurora looks like, uh, you will see remarkable similarities, as if one came from the other, which I firmly believe it did. Back now to Dr. Fred Bell. Doctor? Hi. Um, okay, uh, time travel. Right. Um, how is time travel possible? Uh, is there an actual physical mechanism that allows it, or how is it done? Well, I did some experimenting with it, and my original idea or train of thought came from physics, which is a system called the Wilson Cloud Chamber, which is the way we particle physicists look at particles to see if they are, you know, we're looking for new particles with very short half-lives, which is like a time experiment. And so I was able to do some experimentation wherein you could accelerate the uh, frequency of the human body, the electrons and protons in the human body, and actually begin to move forward in time. It was a physical forward. effect. Forward in time. Forward, yeah. Uh, that, well, this is how I began. This is how I learned, uh, other than, you know, having been told by Eastern masters that I studied with when I was younger, but this is how I learned there wasn't any future by trying to go just like a few milliseconds or microseconds out of this the illusion that we're in now, and I was successful in doing that on a couple of occasions. And uh, into the future, but and and but, I had but I just I, I I thought you just said it it was not possible. Well, there is no future. You go into a black void is where you end up. Ah, uh -huh. you see what I mean? But I I actually was able to do that, and uh, it was it, it it caused me to have a new respect for life, basically. But um, in other words, there is not a future. In, right. in this timeline until we create it. Right, exactly, until the whole human, the bulk of humanity creates it. And the same thing I found out, I didn't go in the past, but I also found out uh, about the past. If you were to go back, let's say, and uh, if you were to get in a time machine and go back in the past and try to get rid of Hitler, as an example, would, would that change today? No, it wouldn't because only a small amount of energy has gone back into a reflection of what, of what time, you know, like the, the, the reflection or the echo of time and made a change back there, it would, it would cause some changes uh, in, the few, in the present, but very few and not, not enough that anybody would notice because the mass consciousness of energy is right here, here and now. And why, now. why have you not tried to go to the past? Because uh, I haven't had... Um, the first device I built was here in Laguna Beach in the back. I, I constructed a this, this big, like a, almost like a building, you know, it looked like an octahedral shape. And uh, I had it, and, and, and it caused a lot of problems with the city of Laguna Beach. I oh? Yeah. It, it, it also caused trees, 
to grow in circles around it, and it, it created this huge field, and I, you know, I mean, of energy around it. And so, what exactly was this device? Well, it was a device that. Now, this is something you built in your backyard. Well, yeah, yeah. You've got to understand now. When you say I built something in the backyard, I used to work and build Saturn rockets. So this, this, I have the technology. I'm, you know, I've been in the. Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you. So yeah. Uh, what? So I built it in the backyard, and it was pretty large. It was about 30, about 20 feet tall. And uh, because it had to have a large acceleration tube in the center of it, you had, you had, we had to get a lot of, a lot of uh, energy going in the center of it. And and what I did is I used a trick that I lear- learned in laser research because I do an awful lot of work at the present with lasers. Mm-hmm. And lasers are in effect demonstrating interdimensional time travel in their operation, the way they create a photon from the astral energies to the physical plane, bringing coherent light down here because. The astral energies would be a coherent light source. Like, for example, if you were to hold a prism in the in the sunlight, you're going to get seven colors from it. Right. So what we have to do is put a mass, a tremendous mass, into those seven colors, and then that that mass then has to uh, influence anything that's around it. In this case, the the being that would be transmuting would be alongside the um, the what we call a cancel column, and what we do is accelerate energy to a very high degree or a rate of speed back and forth. Through what means? Hmm? Through what means? Oh, okay. First of all, let me, vis- let me give you a, a, a visual um, uh, a, a, a journey real quick. All right. First of all, we have uh, an octahedral shape, an, a, a, like a pyramid, right side up pyramid, and we have an upside down pyramid. Okay? All right. And these are about uh, 10 or 12 feet at the base. Okay. Inside this pyramid structure, and this is a made out of a non-conductive material, inside this large pyramid structure is like a large tunnel going from the point of the top to the point of the bottom, and this large tunnel is about two feet in diameter, okay? Okay, okay. Around the outside of this pyramid structure, we have what would be equivalent of a Wimhurst machine, uh, a Wimhurst machine or electrostatic generator, so we would be able to have one disc spinning around the outside in one direction, creating a positive charge, and another disc around the outside spinning the other direction, creating a negative charge. All right. I'm not familiar with this, so describe this to me. Uh, What is spinning? Okay. What is spinning is around the outside of this um, uh, device, this octahedron that we've created, is a circle. Have you you ever heard, you ever see those old... uh, Graph generators. Oh, yes. And, and they had the old Wimhurst machine, which was like two records. One record would go one way and one record would go the other, and a capacitive plate hooked to either side with, so that it would cause a, a friction between the two records. Right. Okay. That's what we would have around the time machine on the outside of it. You'd have, we'd have a very sophisticated Wimhurst effect. And the reason that we would have that is because we have to do uh, some electrostatic capacitor charging right. at a very high rate of speed. Okay. What kind of voltages uh, are we're, you talking about? Uh, we're talking here about uh, close to a million volts. A million volts. Yeah. By the way, I, wa- I want to just tell everybody I'm writing a book on this now called The Secret Promise. So I've got this book is available pretty soon. But anyway, so now on each now we got to go to the next phase of it on each. One of these, we've got eight surfaces we're looking at. Now, forget the, the spinning part in the middle. We've got eight surfaces, okay? Okay. We have, um, on the eight surfaces, we have a large capacitor 
uh, shaped like a triangle. Okay, we have a triangle-shaped capacitor on the outside of the surface, and we have seven different uh, plates or, or capacitors on each surface. Boy, I wish I had a photograph of this. Well, yeah, I'm just drawing. I'm kind of like drawing this. Just imagine that that we're looking at this uh, pyramid on the top, and on each side of the pyramid are seven uh, capacitors that are shaped like the, 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 the pyramid itself, but each one is a little bit smaller. Okay. So we end up with maybe the, the, the seventh uh, triangle is one-tenth the size of the original triangle, which is below it. Gotcha. Okay. So now these, what these are going to do is these are going to, one capacitor is going to charge uh, uh, to a, a, a voltage. There's, there's seven times, there's 28 different ones on the top, and there's 28 different ones at the bottom, seven on each surface. Seven times four is 28. So at any particular time, one of these capacitors is going to have a very high rate of charge on it, close to a million volts, and it's going to create something which is called the Byfield-Brown effect, which you might have probably in your other discussions. Yes. Uh, yeah, it has to do with propulsion systems also, but, but basically what we're doing is we're moving matter, and we're going to put a charge on these different um, on these capacitors. Doctor, what you're describing right. sounds an awful lot like uh, what Bob Lazar and others, or very close to what Bob Lazar and others have described as propulsion systems for um, uh, things they worked at on uh, at Area 51. Right. right, I understand. Is there a similarity? There is a similarity. I, I was in that work. I used to work in those different government facilities. I worked as, I was a consultant, so I've seen, I've been around the block in that area. But basically what I'm trying to create here now with these capacitors is a Mobius effect. This, these, off the surface, I'm going to get a charge. These two rings are going to be spinning in opposite directions, creating a million volts. Right. And I'm going to be applying that million volts, you know, at, at not at random, but would appear uh, to be at random by what's called a proximity switch, which then switches these high voltages to these different Capacitors, so you can imagine a capacitor on the top fires, and one on the bottom goes, and the one on the side goes, and all around at different levels, creating a field. I'm going to, I'm going to mock up a field. Okay. And the reason I'm creating that field is I'm, I'm, I'm entering the human biosystem, the meridians. You've, you've heard of the, the chi meridians and all the different energy fields in the body. I'm, I'm getting the attention of that field to such a degree that the human field itself, the aura field itself, is now being drawn and, and controlled by this outside force, okay? Now, that's step one. And basically, you could call it shaking the tree or getting, getting the electrons and the protons of the person inside this vehicle kind of loosened up. You follow me? Okay. That we got them loosened up now. What and have we got in the middle of this? Uh, okay, yeah, that's the next thing. Now, the, and the inside, the, the, there's two things inside the, the middle now. First of all, we have this long tube going down through the middle, okay? Right. Right. This long tube going down through the middle has a coil around it, which is called a caduceus coil, okay. meaning that this coil, anytime you put positive and negative charges into it, because each winding crosses the other like a little X, it, it, instead of creating a huge magnetic field, it creates a, a void. It takes a magnetic field and it collapses. It's exactly the same way the Bermuda Triangle works under certain astrological conditions which, of course, is where the whole Navy Philadelphia experiment started. But this is a much more sophisticated version of it. And they had, this is some, some, somewhat what was on the Eldridge, USS Eldridge, was very similar to this column that I'm uh, describing now, which we call a cancel column. 
It's a coil. It's, it's basically a, coil. a wound coil. It's a coil, but it's not wound each turn to the next, to the next, to the next, to amplify the field. Each turn cancels out the other. In other words, it's a coil with two sets of windings on it going down. I understand, yes. Okay, so everything, a whole lot of stuff goes in and nothing comes out. You follow me? Okay, then what happens is we have a very high-powered laser in, in the tube itself becomes a very high-powered laser field. Okay. And so what we, what we end up doing is we start the uh, capacitive work, the, the, the outside Wimhurst machine starts Going. creating right. a huge field. We right. use what's called proximity switches to create a Mobius electrostatic uh, biofield brown effect around the entire vehicle, which isolates it from the physical plane. And then we put a huge amount of laser energy. We start moving uh, photons off of the astral plane onto the physical plane. And at a precise moment, we collapse the entire field, put all the energy into this column. At Holy moment, mackerel. Yeah, the, at the moment, all this energy concentrated with all these different frequencies and cycles going on, it, it, it goes to zero. There's no output. At that point, it pinches through time. It actually warps time and goes it goes on and in, into another space. And the way Do you we, have any way to control which, which direction it goes? Yeah, we, 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 the way I did it, the way I worked with it, I only knew how to go forward. That's the only thing I could do. I, all, the, the whole idea of the experiment was to break out of... Um, all right. How do you know? Plane. How do you know that you went anywhere? What you well, told me. Well, it's real simple because in one of these capacitors, in one of these, the door, the window, this thing was like had a, had all these capacitors on it. Had a had a, I had a hole through it, so it had a porthole in. It. You could see out. Uh huh. And the first time we turned this thing on and collapsed the field, it was real interesting. The the device went into a state where you could see out. I, I suppose I didn't have anybody standing outside. We did it at night. But you could see out, and there was a car going up the street. Sure. Because we live on a hill. Sure. The car wasn't moving. The car had stopped. It had two headlights. And, and the, one of the headlights, the, the photon beam coming out of the headlight were a little bitty spot. In other words, it wasn't a solid beam like you would see coming out uh, of a car headlight. Because we were moving up in, uh, in higher energy, we were moving up towards the speed of light in energy now. Not traveling physically, but in energy. So the, the photon beam, we were matching its speed so you could see speckled lines. And the left side of the headlight, it was a, a, like a bunch of white spots hitting the street. And the right side of the headlight hadn't even hit the street yet. That was the interesting thing that happened. Wow. Yeah, that was the first experiment. And the second experiment, we, we, we got it going really wound up more, and there was nothing outside the window. Nothing. And I could only do this for a short period of time because I was using batteries and and I didn't have, the next time I would do something like this, I'm going to use a, 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 a turbine like we use in a helicopter to create more power. You know, I needed about I needed about four or 500 horsepower to really do what I wanted, and I had to be, you know, disconnected from the electricity of the power lines and that because it, it wouldn't work that way. So this this was the experiment that we were able to do based well, on all right. my research. All right, so what happened with the city of Laguna Beach? Well, we, we have... Um, uh, we have we're, we're in a kind of a elite area here, and we have very strict zoning uh, requirements. 
And the, the, I had, I used to bring them different mayors up here and then show them what I was doing and they knew me because I used to do numerous radio shows and I'm a personality here in town. You so. brought the mayors of Laguna Beach? Yeah, up to the house and then, and, and then therefore they go down and tell the city it's okay, this is only temporary, this is a very interesting experiment going on. But finally, uh, after four, uh, generation, you know, four different mayors in town, I, I couldn't do my political thing anymore and they made me tear it down. They wouldn't, you know, you can't get a zoning permit for a time machine. I understand. And the electrostatic field, you should see what it does to trees and how things, the whole DNA structure of plants and trees. We had a tree in our backyard that was nearby that when we took the time machine out, this pine tree grew, it looked like a pretzel the way it grew. It grew in spirals like a landing track in one of Billy Myers' pictures. from a uh, Doctor, who, who sat in the machine? Was that you? Yeah, I was in it. Uh-huh. Um, there was a guy named Eric Powell who was my assistant at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, has anything happened to you? I mean, if trees are growing like pretzels oh, as a well, result of that, this, I mean, here it. you are in the middle yeah, of the field. It, it changed, you know, after those experiences, you know, first of all, during this time, we had, this was in 1982, we had more flooding out here in California. I don't know if it affected the weather or not, but we had, this is when Malibu almost split off into the ocean. I remember. This was during that time, those, those three months of solid rain was when we were doing all this. And I remember when we stopped doing it, I was I was very disoriented. I mean, it was it was very disorienting for me. I, my my intuition seemed to work backwards, and I could drive down the hill knowing that I got to make a left hand turn to go to the grocery store, and I would turn right every time and get about a block and realize what I'd done. So it caught it really caused me to space out and behave in a strange way for a while. It, well, now as you know, uh, in the Philadelphia experiment, right, um, it is legend or it is said that people were affected uh, very much in the same way or even more so or even at the extreme ended up uh, in, in the middle of metal in a ship. Oh, it was horrible. Right, right. Well, they, for example, if in this type of time machine, I plan to build another one one of these days. The next one will actually fly because you would have to lift. If you were going to go back into the past, for example, you might end up inside of a mountain if you don't get, a, get some altitude above the surface of the earth. And the Philadelphia experiment, they weren't really knowing what they were doing. It started out as radar invisibility. Well, it sounds a lot like your experiment, even though fairly sophisticated, was, yeah. was still kind of a blunderbuss approach compared to perhaps what it ought to be. Oh, hey, I agree 100%. And this is back in the 80s when I did this. I've learned a whole lot more since then. Um, I, I've conditioned myself through holistic practices keeping my system clear to, to the DNA is definitely affected. I've done a tremendous work with human DNA on this stuff and it's definitely affected. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it really affects, uh, are, are you familiar with how the, the Philadelphia experiment originally started? Well, that's the next thing we're going to talk okay. about. I, I presume... I'm going to reflect onto this. Okay, I presume that it was an effort of the military. I mean, obviously we're at war and German submarines are sinking our... Uh, ships, and we were not, were not real happy about that, so we wanted a way to virtually be invisible. I think it began as a radar invisibility uh, project. Right, right. And, and what happened was, you see that down at the Bermuda Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle is a negative energy vortex that was set up uh, by a previous race, probably in Atlantis, that created some pretty negative things, what we call negative scalar waves, that were very, very hostile to the planet's environment. And so, it, it, the last, the capital of Poseidon of, of Atlantis was destroyed.
destroyed about where the Bermuda Triangle is about 12,000 years ago, leaving this vortex. And what happened was, see, they, they were minesweepers are a, a pretty much a wooden ship because if they weren't, they'd set off the mine. But a minesweeper, even with it's got metal on it, and when it sails around the South Pacific and different places where they go, it gets magnetized by the Earth's magnetic field, just like you would if you were to take a uh, a nail and put a, a magnet to it and rub it up and down. Pretty soon the nail's magnetized. Absolutely. Doctor, hold yeah. it right there. We'll be back to you, and when we do come back, we will talk about the Philadelphia experiment and what you know about it. Gee, I wish I'd seen that machine in Long Beach before he had to tear it down. You're listening to the American CBC Radio Network. I'm Art Bell. Taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. All right. Once again, here I am. My guest is Dr. Fred Bell. He built a time machine down in Laguna Beach, and we've been talking to him about that. He's going to tell us a little bit about the Philadelphia experiment, and I believe he knows something about that. And then we are going to take some calls from you. Well, all right. uh, Back now to Dr. Fred Bell. Uh, Doctor? Hello. Um. All right. Uh, let me, before we go on to the Philadelphia experiment, let me ask you, do you have any photographs of this incredible machine that you built? I only had, I have some pictures of it that I, I took when I was first building it. Uh, I didn't want a lot of photographs of it getting out. However, I have some excellent drawings now in this new book I'm working on that fully describes it. And somewhere I had a videotape of it. I loaned it to NBC, and they lost it. And they lost it. Yeah, it was really, uh, you know, I won't get into that. But <laughs> it, so I, I may someday build another one. It, it, remember this, it was an archaic idea. Uh, today I've learned a lot more. And it only allowed us to go probably just a millisecond or so ahead of this time that we're in now, just a tiny bit. It wasn't like an H.G. Wells. No, I, I've got you. I, it yeah. is interesting. I mean, it, it, it could lead to that, but it would need more, more, you know, more funding and more all kinds of things. It is interesting that um, when you fully made a transition far enough into the future, yeah. even milliseconds, there was nothing. There's nothing. Trust me, I've been there. Yeah. All right. Um, look, yeah. during the Second World War, we tried to make a ship invisible. What do you know about that? Okay, well, what happened was when they were coming in from different areas in the South Pacific, they go through the Bermuda Triangle and the Atlantic, and they and they noticed, see, the, uh, the weather conditions on the Atlantic down there, a lot of times there's fog, there's all kinds of different, you know, mist, and the ships try to keep a certain distance from one another. 
And they noticed that when they went through the Bermuda Triangle, some of these minesweepers that were apart from each other became invisible on the radar. And usually during the Bermuda Triangle area, in that area, they become invisible on the radar. So that's where they got the idea from. But they, start, they started to explore that phenomenon. In other words, if ships under any conditions became invisible to radar... Well, yeah, that's stealth. That's the beginning of our stealth. stealth and then they wanted to know why and how they could duplicate it for the war effort, obviously. Exactly. All right. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what they did. And, and uh, uh, this was the beginning of our stealth technology. And they weren't really trying to make anything invisible. Uh, Physically, they just wanted it to go away on the radar. Right, yeah. I understand. Yes. Yeah. So they 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 in, in Newport News is an area where they would where they would end up degaussing them, and and the, and the Philadelphia shipyard was another area. Uh -huh. So that's where they began to uh, they began to make these magnetic uh, readings on the ships that were invisible. In other words, the ship that was radar visible was the one that they wanted to study. So they began to instrument the minesweepers when they were going through the Bermuda Triangle, to measure Gaussian changes, or Gauss is a unit of magnetic measurement, right. uh, and changes over a distance over a distance of the ship during this condition. In other words, maybe the first two feet of the ship would be a certain Gauss reading, and the next ten feet would be another Gauss reading. And uh -huh. You see what I mean? Yes. So you go down in line, and you get a whole series of readings, but the things were highly instruments, so they were reading practically every square inch of it. So then what they did is they decided, well, you know, we got this freak field here, this field here, this field here. Why don't we put coils? Why don't we now go ahead and put coils on the board right. and, and make these coils behave in the same way as these readings we were getting uh, during the Bermuda Triangle? Yes, well, I had Al Bielek on, and he talked to us about the coils yeah. and rotating RF fields. Right. Um, do you know about that? No, because I, I, I worked on it at the University of Michigan afterward. Well, we began to explore the coils. We forget the ship. Where we were at was forget the ship. Let's start putting these coils. And so we had a, in, there, in the Randolph Laboratory, which is an underground lab that I worked in, we had a synchrotron, a bevatron, and a cyclotron, three big atom-smashing toys. So what we did is we hooked up their, their um, uh, power supply outputs, which would be BEV outputs, billion electron volt outputs, and we took these billions of volts of elect uh, uh, outputs and we hooked it into what are called general electric pyranol capacitors. So we had huge amounts of current available uh, with a very, very high voltages. I mean, you should have seen the arrangement. We had literally capacitors going down hallways, all hooked in parallel and series. Huge, you know, three big atomic smashers disengaged because all we wanted was their power supplies. Look at these things. When was this? This was in 1955, 1956, 1954. Well, was this, uh, may I ask, Doctor, the genesis of your idea that, that turned into the, the thing you built at Laguna Beach? Yes, that was totally the genesis yep, of it. Yeah, sounds like it. All yeah. right, so anyway, continue. Yeah, so anyway, what we would do is we would have these rooms, and we had these big water tanks in these rooms to protect us from the radiation. And inside these rooms, we would put these different coils, and we would put these different powers into them. And we were trying, I guess what we were trying to do is warp space and time. But you got to re realize the arrangement. It was so bizarre. It was, you know, back in those days, we didn't have transistors in our computer. We had six SN7 tubes, little vacuum tubes about three inches tall. So we had, oh, yes. we had, we were buried in, the, our computer was the size of a, of a, of a large house. And we had that underground, and we had all this stuff going on. 
And what we were doing is exploding. Basically, as far as I could tell, what we were doing. Doctor, where was this? At the University of Michigan, Randolph Laboratory. Okay. Uh, at University of Michigan. And Dr. Katz, K-A-T-Z, was the professor in charge of the whole thing. All right. Yeah, he still exists today, believe it or not. Huh. And, and, and uh, so we were, we were destroying, these, uh, destroying these coils in these sealed rooms, uh, basically vaporizing them into another dimension. That's what we were in. That's what we started doing in there. It's the only thing I could figure out. I, mean, I didn't have the whole scope of the experiment in my eyes, but while I was involved with it, because I was working with that and another thing called the pinch effect, which was very similar, the pinch effect evolved from that, and, 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 and that later on became cold fusion, what we call it in science today is cold fusion. So out of our research, a whole bunch of things, uh, uh, different kinds of experiments began to take place. And then I, in my career, in my lifespan, I went and explored some of these other things. So I, I, I got off into all these side technologies, which were equally as fascinating and all involving time. So, I mean, uh, I just was in a lot of stuff. The pinch effect, we, one of the experiments we did with that, for example, was send shockwaves down a tube to duplicate the shockwave from an atomic explosion and how it destroyed, you know, buildings and matter and things like that. That was one thing. Another, of course, was cold fusion, where you uh, sustained the, the temperature of the sun, the surface of the sun, inside of a tube held in place by a, a very powerful magnetic field, like we just described in the Philadelphia experiment. And that, see, because when when you start when you start working with these fields, you start compressing, you know, energy down, uh, in, you know, into a, it, it creates a, a uh, in space, you know, for example, if a sun starts to die, it, it supernovas, it explodes. Or it collapses. Right. If it collapses, it creates another, it, its own space, its own time, and it creates a black hole. Right. So what we were trying to do, the next step was create a black hole in a laboratory with what's called a space-time singularity. Uh, I'm not so sure that would have been a good idea. Yeah, it works. I mean, we, no, did, well, we did some stuff like that. Weren't you a little concerned about the effect? Yeah. Well, I became radioactive a few times. And that's how I learned uh, about, you know, <laughs> about how some people, like some people... For example, can handle ultraviolet from the sun, and other people get cancer. Well, I learned how to make everybody handle it. I learned all this stuff back then. You became radioactive. Yeah, I, I was overexposed to radiation several times, and I had I had the po the proper genetics to be able to uh, uh, survive all of this. And I was very young when all this was going on. And and, and you got to realize, when I was 16 years old when I was doing some of this stuff. And immediately when I was at uh, age of going in the service, they immediately put me in the Air Force and continued my education. So I started when I was 14 years old doing these kinds of things. And my career in the government lasted until I was almost 30. So, I mean, I had this whole track, this whole time of, of taking these ideas and going further and further and further and further. What did you do for NASA? Uh, I was a spacecraft. The, the final job that I had was spacecraft checkout engineer. Meaning that just before we, when we finished the building the ship over here at, uh, you know, this was the different stages of the rocket at Seal Beach, California, we had to check, we had to run a complete series of dynamic checks on it to make sure it was going to lift off and go to the moon. My job was to make sure everything worked. And then we shipped it down to Huntsville or we ship it down to, you know, we used to call it Cape Carnival in those days, but Cape Canaveral, uh -huh. and launched the damn thing. Now, in that job, I didn't think, I was very surprised when the first one took off. I mean, the, the, the things I'd see go on at NASA was so ridiculous, you know. I always called NASA a giant WPA project. <laughs> because we already had, the reason I call it that is because by this time I was already working with propulsion technologies that were far better than rockets. 
which I currently am working with today. And, and uh, uh, some other friends of mine around the country are very, very into some of this stuff. And uh, so I got into all, all of that during a NASA time. And it well, was really interesting. what are you trying to do now? I mean, what is your current... My, my current thing now is to... I'm, I'm involved with several things. Number one, reverse the aging process in DNA, uh, get rid of, of, of the effects of radiation in the human body. I, I formulate super nutritional vitamin formulas for... I've done them for over 75 different companies. I'm, I'm and making a, and work and making the world a better place to live in. I, I'm not... Uh, a full throttle right now on time travel and and, 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 and and hyperspace travel because we need to take care of our planet right now. So I'm using my, my expertise in environmental issues. I, I spent 15 years with the National Health Federation lecturing all over the country uh, on the environment, and I helped start the, the, some of the big uh, rainforest things that are going on. I'm, I'm, I, raise, I do fundraisers for charities sometimes. I did all kinds of stuff. You know, I produce music. <laughs> You know, I, we use uh, what's called Pleiadian sound technology, where we change consciousness with music. For example, you know how, how they, there's all these lawsuits going on, these bands go out and they create a music sound, and a kid hears the sound and goes out and kills somebody? You, you've heard of that, right? Yes. Okay. You can do that with sound. You can, you can, you create, can... You can create that in the DNA, you know, if that's negative sound techniques. We do it with positive. That's otherwise called mind control. Right. It's more than mine. It's control of everything, and, and you can do that through music. We do a positive aspect of that and create healing powers out of it, you know. Also, we are into a black box technology now, which, once again, the music, you know, we, we started developing sounds from recordings of, of extraterrestrial Pleiadian ships where we got sound impressions. We took them and spectrum analyzers, broke down the sound frequencies, and came up with different timber characters. And timbers... Are, you know how if you play a piano and then you play a violin, they're both the middle note C, mm -hmm. but they both sound different? That's a timber characteristic. And if you look at the sitar, which is an Indian instrument, it's a consciousness-raising instrument. Right. It came here to the Brahmins from the Rishis, according to the historical volumes of Tibet. Uh, when the Rishis supposedly came from the Pleiades, but the sitar, look at the 60s, and everybody was doing mind expansion. They had Ravi Shankar playing the sitar people getting high and listening to the sitar music because it raises consciousness, pretty soon they realize, hey, you don't need the drugs to get high. The music is doing it. You know, so, then, so we got into that. We started using synthesizers with different uh, techniques. One is called the linear subtractive uh, linear uh, synthesis. One is called subtractive synthesis. And we began to create these sound, sound uh, patterns with a computer and these rolling synthesizers and put those on transducers and create like levitation and, and stuff like that. So I got into a quicker way of doing some of the things that were more complicated in our earlier earlier days. So uh, as a result of that, I've written several books. I'm finishing up one now. Created a, a, an educational tape series. Um, created four uh, music albums. Right now, we're getting ready to release one that's going to go out into the into the cultural, you know, mainstream, you know, rock and roll with using this stuff. To and you think these create some sort of healing effect. Right, right, right. I, I know it does. I do a lot with lasers, a lot with lasers. matter of fact, I'm laying right here. I've got a six-watt laser beam going over my head, going through the entire parameter of my house as I give this interview because the energy of a laser going into crystals is phenomenal. And so... Uh, well, crystals amplify laser, don't they? No. What, what they do... What they do is, you know, they, they open the... The laser energy is the photon released from the astral plane. 
And that's the way a laser, that's the very nature of what a laser is, which also is what we use at the time machine. We use the one billion watt laser in the center of it. And what happens is when... Uh, when you know, you're really quite lucky you didn't fry yourself alive. You're telling, well, I, 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 I have a, some kind of a mission here. I don't know what it is yet, but, I, you know, I used to race motorcycles and cars and... I should have been dead by now by the, the things that I did in my life. Mm -hmm. I just had no fear, you know. I just I, I had no fear with this thing here until I realized later what I'd done. Then I was kind of thought about it. I mean, if I'd ever stepped out of this thing when it was charged up, I'd have been fried, you know. Fried instantly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, what, what do you want to talk about? Is you know? it your view yeah. that the Philadelphia experiment absolutely did occur? I'm pretty sure it did, yeah. But we didn't call it any Philadelphia experiment at the University of Michigan. We just called it experimentation. We didn't really have a name for it, you know. The, Phil the name Philadelphia experiment came later because the Eldridge, of course, went yes. from Philadelphia what, to Norfolk. Yes, right. But what did you think that you were doing in Michigan? I didn't really know. I mean, I was young, and here I'm a young kid. I was a student, you know. Um, the transistor had just been embedded, so I was playing with that, and and you know it wasn't being used practically, so I was just learning stuff. You know, we were in 1954. We were hooking oscilloscopes up to our heads and and putting electrodes on our brains and and, and playing with our brain waves. I mean, where is that coming from? In you know 1954, when I'm just a kid, I don't know where it was. At that time, I didn't know what I was going to be later in life. I just knew I had to have my hands into everything. And my dad uh, uh, also. Is a scientist. He brought the London Bridge over and put it in Havasu City. He invented the alternator on wait the Wait a minute, car. wait a minute. Your dad did that? Yeah, yeah. Him and C.B. Woods and Bob McCulloch did that. Alan Bell is his name. Uh, why did he do that? Uh, it was a commercial venture. They wanted that. It was called Site 6, and uh, it was a, convert, co a commercial venture to make money uh, because they put the bridge and there wasn't any water in there then. Right. And then he bought all the land around it and created a, a, a Site 6 became Havasu City. That was C.V. Wood. And my dad's job was to do all the engineering and the design, and McCulloch put the money up for the for the bridge oh, itself, four hundred fifty thousand dollars. And he bought the wrong bridge. He thought he was buying the bridge in the song, but he bought the wrong bridge. Yeah, it was it was a big joke to the people in Britain. He thought he was he thought he was buying the the bridge that was in London Bridge was falling down, you know. And it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was that was that that was on the Thames River. It was down the road a little bit further. The tower. Wouldn't that bridge, be awfully know? disappointing after spelling, uh, spending nearly half a million dollars to move a bridge brick by brick? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I, the color, I, I knew him quite well. He was a funny guy, you know. He, he had a lot of money. <laughs> you know, he was the sixth richest man in the U.S. in 1954. You know, he died yes. broke, but. Uh, I mean, this guy, he didn't really care. Oh, go get the London Bridge. Here, here, write somebody a check and off they go, you know. And my dad had to number everything and, and, you know, all the bricks got numbered, the stones. Oh, yeah. I remember the story on it. Yeah. So you're sort of a chip off the old block. Yeah. I was born at the University of Michigan. I took my first breath there. And my dad was the freak. And then and then uh, my great uncle, Alexander Graham Bell, he was, a, a, you know, I had the family tree and pictures of him and stuff. Wait a minute. You're a descendant of Alexander? Yeah, he's my great uncle. I've got a, a picture of him hanging on the wall from our family tree. I got our family tree. And, I, and I, my other relative, believe it or not, is Glenn Bell, and he started Taco Bell. I was with him Sunday. He, he retired from Taco Bell. You're the Bell of Taco Bell? No, my friend is Glenn. Glenn Bell. He's another. He's one of my cousins. A yeah. friend of yours. Yeah, a cousin. Yeah, I was, he has a big ranch down there in, in San Diego. He, he grows a, a fruit and gives it away, to, you know, vegetables. He gives it away to charity. He's quite a humanitarian. He's retired, of course, with Taco Bell money. But 
You know, that, we're we're not are a crazy family. Well, you're a bell. You should know. Look at you. Yeah, but I don't think we're related. Are you sure? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not I, my sure. family tree. Check this out. My family tree. It's a box they gave me. My grandfather Bell gave me this family tree. This hundred-year-old box with James English writing box with secret drawers and stuff in it. It's a big square box. It's about two feet long by about eight inches high and about a foot thick. Yes. Handmade in, in beautiful cherry wood. It's got secret box compartments. The family tree. Uh, they started a hundred and some years ago, and I got hundred-year-old pieces of paper with a family tree started by my great great something or others. And then my grandparents took over and handed, you know, and did another 50 years of it. So I, I could find out, you know. If you All right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I know something about my family tree. Uh, doctor, hold on. We'll yeah. be back to you at the bottom of the hour. If you have any questions for Dr. Fred Bell, I don't think any relation. <laughs> then come now from the high desert. This is Radio That Is Strange. I'm Art Bell. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. It is. I'm Art Bell, and my guest is Dr. Fred Bell. No relation as far as I know, but you never know, huh? Anyway, we'll get back to him in a moment. All right, back now to uh, Dr. Fred Bell in Laguna Beach, California. And um, I, I, there are people out there, Doctor, as, as I'm sure you're aware, who will listen to what you're saying and say, um, there's a nutcase. Well, they're... they're, they're, they're... Freedom to say whatever they want. That's right. Uh, however, however, yeah. uh, some of what you have said makes sense to me. Uh, moreover, I have a soft spot in my heart, but without a doubt, for people who have been doing the kinds of things that you have done, and uh, you're out on the cutting edge. A lot of times, people like you get cut. <laughs> well, yeah, well, at least we got the, the, the wherewithal to get there, you know. I, I pity the person that can't go anywhere, you know. Uh, well, you spend, me, uh, you spend your whole life playing around with stuff. You learn a few yeah. things. I'm just a student. I really don't know very much, but I know, you know, that nothing is impossible. Well, yeah. I interviewed a young man uh, named Mike Markham, which I affectionately nicknamed Madman Markham. Oh, good. Uh, he built uh, what he considered to be a time machine. Actually, he's still working on it, or he's already walked through. I don't know which. I can't get a hold of him. Right. And. He was either going to um, move through time or fry himself alive. Yeah, that uh, can happen. Yeah, I know, and I, I consider it a, about equal possibility either way. So yeah. let's let's take a few calls, see what people have to say. First time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Fred Bell. Hey, Artie, how are you doing tonight? Okay, where are you? 
I'm over here in Chugiak, Alaska. Chugiak, all right. Yeah, well, you know, you know Alaska, aren't you? I do. Okay, now, Mr. Bell, interesting. Uh, how are you doing? I don't, what's your age, Mr. Be- Dr. Bell? 53. 53. I don't suppose you ran across a guy by the name of Jerry Garcia in your travels? Uh, no, the only one I know is from the, the band, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you do know him? Well, yeah, yeah, the the Grateful Dead people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've met a few of those guys. I, I, I've worked a number of years with a band called the Moody Blues, so... um but uh, you never you never did any work with those as far as uh, you, you were talking about musical instruments and uh, the various places they can take you. Yeah, I've done a lot of work with that. I have a recording studio here in my house, even. I and, see. And I have several different albums that I've released, you know, instrumentals. I've even did a solo tour in Europe in the 80s. Uh, Doctor, uh, what did you do yeah. with the Moody Blues? I, I was uh, basically their friend and uh, holistic doctor and... Uh, uh, they wrote a song about me called "Stepping in a Slide Zone." If you can, on, a, on an album called "Octave." Really, really, really. Yeah, yeah. It's a story about a time traveler. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A uh, wild card line. You're on the air with Doctor uh, Fred Bell. Hi. Hi. My name's uh, Dan, and I'm from Virginia. Hello, Dan. Hi. Uh, I have a question for uh, Doctor Bell. Sure. People are uh, experiencing a speeding up of energy of time. Of things happening, right? And there's a, there's a lot of consciousness I think that's being awakening, and I was just wondering uh, what your views were on that, since you've already had a, an experience of that kind. All right, I call it, uh, Doctor, the quickening, uh, uh, speeding up of events. Well, that's it's fairly simple. You just have to understand that how a swift swift watch works, meaning that our Earth and Sun and Solar System rotates around a central sun, Alcyone, in the Pleiades every 27,827.5 years. And this during this time, we go through a couple of things. One is we go through these things they call uh, ages. We're coming from the Piscean Age. We're going into the Aquarian Age. Now, right. what that means is these are 2,100-year windows uh, where the cell could uh, handle a certain amount of consciousness. And that's why you see progression in our society, uh, supposedly. Uh, 2,000 years ago up until now was the Piscean Age, and the, 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 the belief system, the Pisceans were a, a, believing, a believer kind of consciousness, but they started a lot of religions in the last 2,000 years, and they, and, they, and they built a lot of churches and, and all of that. That was in the last 2,000 years. Now we're coming into what's called the Aquarian Age, where as we move around this Pleiades a little bit further, the vibratory frequency of the um, a cell, the molecule in the cell, is raised higher, so a higher frequency soul is starting to incarnate. Now, what that means is when you, you know, I, I always ask people, I say, now, let's talk about consciousness for a second. Mm-hmm. Where, let's go back 300 years ago. Where were all the people? We didn't have 8 billion people on this planet 300 years ago. Where were they? Did they just suddenly, we just created a... Five billion souls in the last 300 years? No, they were they were somewhere else. They were in another space. They were in the astral energies. Now they're coming to the physical plane. So they did not suddenly simply exist in the split instant of creation. You right, know. right. Souls grow from group over souls. So what, what happens is now remember I said earlier the astral plane had a different frequency than here, and it appeared to be longer. Yes. Well, it's a higher intensity, so it's more energy, more souls, more ideas, more idea machines like the brain are being 
put into one pot with being planet Earth. And as this planet Earth rotates around the Pleiades, it, it, it diagrams a, a path of, of actual fourth dimensional consciousness or time Doctor, travel. Did you know Dr. Tim Z. O'Leary? Yeah, I knew Timmy. Yeah. He was he used to live here in Laguna. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know him uh, the very early days, but I met him in the seventies. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of lectures with the Whole Life Expo and he'd always be there, you know. He also toured, traveled with the Moody Blues too in the very beginning days. Knew him knew him quite well. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Uh, Bell. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is Chris from Chicago. Yes, Chris. And uh, one of the things I first wanted to comment was about the Philadelphia experiment. And uh, actually, they weren't trying to make a ship invisible or disappear or teleport or anything. Uh, it started out first as electronic camouflage or projectile or, you know, deflecting pro incoming uh, firepower projectiles, sort of like the deflectors on uh, Star Trek, the deflector shields, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, if you were to read the book, uh, The Philadelphia Experiment by, uh, let's see, uh, William Moore and uh, I forget the other guy's name right now. But uh, anyway, it's out currently in paperback. It has been for a few years. And they go into some detail about this. Uh, I, for one, when I first heard of it, thought it was, you know, so, so much science fiction. It was a few lines in a book by Vincent H. Gaddis back in the, the 60s. And I thought, you know, it's no, a bunch of nonsense. No, uh, no, I, I, you know, I've vacillated back and forth, too, about the Philadelphia Experiment. However... Uh, I've had too many people describe the essence of what the Philadelphia Experiment was, beginning with Al Bielek and winding through people uh, who describe different pro uh, propulsion machines, and then people who, like yourself, Dr. Bell, who talk about uh, time shifting or time travel or whatever you want to call it, right. using almost identical technologies. And so I've got this feeling there's something to it. And I personally would be inclined to experiment with it myself if I weren't doing what I'm doing, and I might be inclined to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, but it's probably very dangerous. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Bell. Hello. Thank you, uh, Art. I'm Dr. Bell. Nice to meet you. Hi. How are you doing? Um, my uh, question I have is uh, directly orientated towards the Great Pyramid on the Giza Plateau. All right. And what it stands for as a uh, monument, uh, as a previous structure made by a previous civilization. I've uh, I've been working on some papers um, pertaining to a technological process that has to do with the alignment of the planets which NASA has now uh, studied and discovered. It has been discovered now for 10 years. That's on 5-5-2000. With this discovery, together combined with the pyramid and listening to how you <clears throat> constructed your time machine, right. would the physics involved in the construction of your time machine um, have a implications from uh, previous civilizations uh, like Atlanteans and 
the possible arc of the covenant? All right. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, they d- definitely does because I was educated. I had a kind of a dual education. I had an education on my own school of hard knocks through the University of Michigan and the Air Force and all the government things I did. And then I had became when I became a contactee, I got a, the Pleiadian side of it, and they began to educate me. Almost, they basically started to put together what I sort of intuitively suspected. And, I, and then and in the process of doing that, they said during Atlantean times, which is a 25,000-year shift back from where we are now, civilization was much more advanced in technology now. And this civilization's rise and fall. And the Great Pyramid, for example, the original pyramid there is basically 78,000 years old. And you can verify that by certain growths that go, there are, there are certain kinds of growths that have been carbon-14 dated on the inside between the stones themselves. And the other pyramids came much, much later uh, in Ginza. As a matter of fact... <clears throat> Even on the Sphinx itself, there's evidence of of, of water erosion, not wind erosion, uh, which means it was there during the Great Flood 6,000 years ago. That is true. Yeah, and I've been working with a group over in in Egypt now that are exploring using sound sound energy uh, and also ultrasound to look for hidden chambers. We did the same thing up at Dulce, New Mexico, and they're doing it down there now. I also ran into the politics of the of the Great Pyramid, working uh, with, with Zami, who is the curator of the pyramid, who I knew when he was a teenager. Are you talking about Zahi Hawass? Yeah. Yes, yes. I yeah, know. and we call him Zami, and he, uh, Zami. you know, we uh, we suspect that they found the Egyptians found some Atlantean artifacts and have changed them with Egyptian artifacts because if Atlantean artifacts are found in Egyptian uh, pyramids, that means that Egypts are just a bunch of baby. The Egyptians are babysitters for a previous civilization that takes away their their heritage so there's some real would, powerful yes. political games going on covering up what the world's going to find out very soon anyway all right east yeah. of the rockies you're on the air with dr bell good morning yeah hello hello uh, hi this is garen calling from um, skeegan michigan yes sir um i had always kind of understood too that um that uh that consciousness is created uh by um the mass of humanity um in effect and going to um, remote viewing, what, in uh, the doctor's opinion, are remote viewers actually seeing when they uh, do their uh, their craft? All right, or or how are they seeing it? Might be a better way to put it. Well, but, there's there's a variety of ways it's done. You know, American Indians did it with jimson weed. That's how they. You know, they could uh, uh, you could have like the Apaches because they used to work with the Apaches, especially at Dulce. You know, they had they had uh, Half of the Western United States uh, covered, and then and what happened was the 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 seer would go out after he went through this Jimson weed thing, and don't try this at home because it'll kill you. But they'd go out by the, uh, a cactus plant basically, and they go out of body, and they'd fly around like an eagle, and actually see other tribes coming in hundreds of miles away, and then they could dispatch warriors. So the Indians had it so down they, to a science how to, how to how it worked. Native American remote viewing for battle purposes. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's where it really started. The CIA picked up on that years ago, and then when Alfred Hoffman discovered LSD, they found that it was an amplifier, you know, from Sandoz. So there's a whole scenario that went on with all of this. But what you're looking at several different things. First of all, one form of remote viewing is looking through somebody else's eyes. In other words. Uh, in criminal investigations, uh, there was a thing on, uh, on TV the other night. This lady goes out uh, and holds an item in her hand and see, sees a vision of 
somebody getting killed that yes. this item belonged to. Yes, yes. Okay, so that 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 is where you're connecting into the astral energies, the emotional energies, and you're actually able to focus on the being that created the act by using some uh, uh, article that identifies them with the person that was had the act gone to. All right, uh, Doctor. That's uh, one example. All right, uh, yeah. Doctor Fred Bell, yeah. uh, Wild Card Line One. You're on the air. Uh, yes, this, am I three? First time caller line, actually, yes. Yeah, first yes. time caller. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, puzzled me then. Um, I have a question for Mr. Bell. Right. Um, he made a comment earlier that NASA had uh, used somewhat old technology for propulsion or that there were better technologies. Now, yes, and, and that what he did was quite primitive. And, and I was uh, wondering if he could... Uh, uh, it explained, you know, what uh, what propulsions he was talking about, and sure. in, in some detail. All right. Yeah, well, there's there's several different ones. Some of some of these propulsions came about uh, from what's called reverse technology or reverse engineering, whereby ships crashed. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's one ship that flies. Uh, an associate of mine was in it. He works. Uh, uh, it was at a code name. He works for the CIA. And he was in it wearing a zero-G suit, meaning, you, you know, it was developed by the Navy SEALs where they go down like 5,000 feet underwater and they breathe this liquid in their, in their lungs so their lungs don't collapse. You know what, Doctor? It's yeah. funny you should say that. I just got an article today. They have now, they just announced, developed a liquid that you can breathe. Right. Uh, and it sounds like right out of science fiction. No, but... no, no. They, the Navy SEALs have been using it for a long time. Well, they've got it. Yeah, the public's just finding out about it. It's a classified diving piece of equipment. But they have one that you wear. That not only do you put it in your lungs, because when you, you get really sick, it's really weird, because I've had friends that do it. And then and you have a suit so you don't get crushed, because this one type of ship I'm going to describe uh, is, it puts out 33 Gs of, of lateral force. That's a lot of acceleration sideways. You bet. And uh, uh, Gary Schultz took a picture, went up there at Tonopah, you know, up there at Area 51. Tonopah, yeah. And that, and that craft is a two-man craft that uses a small plutonium reactor located in the base of the ship. That's why it's got so much lead shielding around it. And what this plutonium does is it, it, it produces a large amount of electrical current, which then goes directly into cells, <clears throat> capacitors, like ceramic capacitors, right. in the bottom of the ship. And the, the, the word in physics... It's called the Seebeck effect, and what they're creating is a non-polarized magnetic field that's very powerful in nature, which gives it a a a, a, a any gravity type effect. See which what is you're, the same what, kind of field that's in a human body, by the way. Yeah, see what what you're referring to is exactly what Bob Lazar was talking about. Yeah, that's one type of proposal. But there's another one where we use element 115. Uh, there you go. Yeah, element 115 is the propulsion. Uh, it, 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 see what, what when a star. When a star collapses, you know, and, and just as it, it, it goes into the supernova, and we talked about the first one, we warped the space and time, but the second, we actually supernova. When we supernova, we now have a, 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 a type of matter that, you know, the surface of the sun down to the size of a basketball before it blows up, that matter has a very high gravity to it because obviously it could almost warp space and time. Sure. Okay, so the uh, different uh, races, the Pleiadians, for example, brought 38 pounds of it here, to the Earth. 38 pounds. Yeah, and, the, and, and, and so what they use is these focusing grids. They use what's called a slow, a slow neutron to bombard this uh, uh, element 115. It releases gravity waves, 
and then the gravity waves are then focused. All right, Doctor. And that's another type of propulsion system. That's two. Now. Doctor, all right. Yeah. We're, we're going to um, we're going to kind of halt it here, but I, I want to give you a chance to give out a number. I, I think you've got a book, don't you? Yeah, I've got several books, and I've got a toll-free number for information. All right, go right ahead. Okay, it's 1-800-729-2603. Right. 2603. And then we have a, a 714 number, if, if that number is busy, which is 714-499-2603. So the last digits are 2603. Uh, in both cases. So 714-499-2603 or... One eight hundred seven two nine two six zero three. Yeah. All right. That's how we can be reached during the working hours. We're closed right now because <laughs> it's dark out here. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning in California. Yes, it is. Um, I, I'm alternating between thinking that you're a sort of a, a strange kind of a genius and uh, a and a kind of a a kind of a, a Timothy Leary sort of dude, but a scientist. And sort of out, way out on the edge. Does that characterize you? Uh... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess that's what I am. But I, I didn't really work at it. I just sort of ended up here. Oh, I think you're a natural. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just a student, and, and believe me, I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. I know just enough to get myself in trouble every time, you know. Uh, but I have had some very good results that. with experiments and very good results with things I've done. I've been successful, but I've been, uh, you know, frustrated because I don't have enough time, you know, to do more. You can't do it all, you know, so I can only go into areas that, that, that I have enough time to do. Well, but, there's never enough time, Doctor, and there's never no. enough money. No, tell me about it. You never have a second rule. First rule, you never have enough time. Second rule, there's never enough money. Oh, wait a minute. I, I've got a better piece of bumper music for this. I just thought about this. All right, uh, Doctor, thank you. And uh, we're going to bump out of here. We'll have you a back. We'll have you back sometime. All right. Very good. All right, Doctor Fred Bell. We'll be back. This is CBC. Anybody remember? Taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. I don't know. You tell me. What did you think of Dr. Fred Bell? 
I'm not sure. An interesting individual. And you really, on the one hand, you're sort of tempted to say, oh, come on now. You know, you spent too much time with Timothy. But on the other, a lot of what he said made some sense. So I don't know. If you're just joining us, this uh, bumper music kind of just a tribute to what we just did. And I'm not sure what that was. He built a time machine. He probably nearly fried himself alive. He's done a lot of other stuff. And I'm sure we'll get comments. He worked with the Moody Blues. New Timothy, doc, uh, Dr. Uh, not Dr. Timothy O'Leary. Passed away recently. Well, I don't know. Worked with the uh, Moody Blues. And I'm going to have to do some thinking on this. But, you know, I kind of like the guy. Anyway, uh, we're about to move into open lines. Uh, let me take care of a couple of things here. God, this brings back memories. Look, uh, as you know, Hale-Bopp is up there. As a matter of fact, uh, yesterday morning at about uh, 4.30 or so, I went out. And boy, I'll tell you, that thing had to be 40 degrees in the sky. It was way up there, just burning away through cold space. And it is the sight to be seen. Hale-Bopp is going to be uh, visible and increasing in brightness possibly through the middle, if not the end of April. So this is something in your lifetime that I'm telling you, I'm telling you, go and see. Well, all right, we're about to go to open lines here. Uh, the lead news story is five female soldiers from the U.S. Army's Aberdeen Proving Grounds now say... Investigators coerced them in seeking statements that the women had been raped by higher-ranking soldiers. Oh, my. The women now say it was consensual sex. Consensual sex. In other words, translated, they said, okay, let's rock. There was no rape, there was no force, there was no pressure uh, under color of um, rank or authority. They went for it. Hmm. Interesting reversal here. A proposal to outlaw nude sunbathing on some Florida beaches was nipped in the bud by lawmakers who only have turned it down because they say it will hurt the state's tourism industry. It was a measure that would have made it illegal to uh, go on the buff at ten federal parks across the state. But it looks as though, uh, and, and, oh, I see why they wouldn't pass that. Especially hard hit, it says, would be the state's European market, whose travelers, as a group, are more accustomed to nude sunbathing than their U.S. counterparts. Hey, no kidding. I was in Europe last year, 
and Scandinavia. And I must tell you, um, the fashions there, for example, I know you're not going to believe this. doesn't matter. People who are along with me on the trip know. Uh, the fashion there was on the street now, mind you, see-through dresses. I swear to you, it's true. See-through dresses. So the European ideas of morality and, um, and so forth are a little bit different than we hold here. Uh, compared to a lot of places, despite what you may recall about the so-called sexual revolution, Americans are actually rather prudish compared to our European cousins. FBI has seized a Federal Aviation Administration radar tape that allegedly showed an object speeding toward TWA Flight 800 seconds before the plane exploded. This is the Associated Press. The tape is to be reviewed by a federal grand jury as soon as Wednesday. The FBI... Um, is and, and crash investigators are saying this is baloney, uh, though a missile remains as one of the three uh, principal areas of investigation with regard to what took down 800. Uh, they say this is nothing more than the same Internet stuff. So, I don't know. You tell me. I've got a lot more here, but I think we're going to go to open lines now. And I'm going to be thoughtful for a while on what Dr. Bell had to say. On the one hand, you could dismiss it um, as astral goobledygop, you know. But on the other hand, a lot of what he had to say made some sense. And I'm going to be a while thinking about what he said. What about you? Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning, Art. Good morning. Uh, I'm glad that you had uh, Fred Bell on there. I seem to remember having seen a story on him back around 1983, to the best of my memory. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe it was either in the Examiner or Weekly World News. It was a full-page story. Yeah. As I remember it, it had a picture of him and a close associate of his, who was supposed to be a former head of um, some military division uh, uh, of the uh, um, uh, CIA type work going on. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm sitting here still, not exactly sure what to make of him. He was working in some kind of workshop, and it showed a picture of an anti-gravity device that he had been given uh -huh. by the same people he mentioned, the Plidians. Uh -huh. He seems, from what I have read, to be the second most important person around as far as um, officially elected representatives of the ETs to Earth, the first being Billy Meyer, over in Switzerland, with his contact, some Jesus woman who appears as a beautiful blonde, mm -hmm. and then this man, Fred Bell, who mm -hmm. appears to be the one who gave us 
anti-gravity devices, thanks to the Pleiadians. Mm -hmm. So, you kind of connected. And he seems to be a Doogie Howser of physics. He started, what did he say, 14? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, very, very interesting person, and um, and I'm going to be a while digesting this, and I may well have him back on the air again. I've got to think about it. Nice to have him for a relative. Well, I, Congratulations. Now, now, now wait just one moment. I have to believe it's the same feeling. Well, no, you don't. Uh, I have never, even though I've joked about it, I, as far as I know, I am no relation whatsoever to Alexander. So that would rule it out, because he says he is. Right? Well, I think family trees are extremely large, and I think you're in there indirectly, if not directly. Well, I mean, all right, in the, in the cosmic sense... We're all related, right? I saw somebody recently who was... Every relationship we have, every marriage is cosmically incestuous, if you want to look at it that way. I've seen an expert in genealogy recently <laughs> say that there are only 250 families yeah, there you in go. the European ethnic groups yeah. here in America, if you trace them back directly. All right, well, there you go. All right, thank you uh, very much for the call. Usually, I'm able to peg a guest pretty quickly, and um, I, I'm not able to peg uh, Dr. Bell so easily. Uh, it would be easy for some people, and I'm sure there are some of you out there who say, ah, not case, big time. I, I don't think that he hit me that way. He rubbed me that way, but he also hit me as somebody who... Uh, may well know things that we should know. Do you follow me? So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to have to think about it. Um, oh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. KQMS, Ready, California. Good morning. Hey, I like that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That figures. Oh, what do you mean that figures? Well, I, I mean, it figures. Uh, you like people uh, who are pretty far out. And I, I kind of do, too. But... I'm going to remain thoughtful about the doctor well, for a while. Have so much to say. A lot, oh yes. And not very much time. Uh, well, two hours. Well, that's not very much time. Well, it's a sample. In other words, I want to think about it now. <laughs> okay, I'll let you do that. Thank you. Hey, you know what my favorite Moody Blues song is? What? My Wildest Dreams. My Wildest Dreams. Mm -hmm. Huh. Do you remember that one? Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, well, I, you know, there was this movie called Electric Dreams where the computer came to life, and they used it at the end of that movie. Huh. I love the Moody Blues. I'm like... Oh, I do, too. I always... Or something. I always like them. Well, I think they're, like, really creative. Um, they are absolutely creative, and, um, they were... They actually sort of changed music in a lot of ways, didn't oh, they? Oh, really? Well, I wasn't around back then. You weren't? No? Huh. Scary, huh? A lot of things are scary. Hey, you know what I've always wanted to tell you? That's the one. I love that song. You know what? I'll, you know how you play songs over and over? One one day, I play that song so many times the neighbors are pounding on the wall. Really? <laughs> they were really mad at me. It's called In Your Wildest Dreams, actually. Called? I yes. love that song. Uh -huh. Well. Dance around. Yeah, I, I can sort of picture you dancing uh -huh. to this, actually. I do. A, a sort of a flowing, cosmic kind of dance, eh? Yeah. Is that about right? That's about right. All right. Well, I thought I'd drag that out for you just I'll for... I'll tell you my story the next time. Old time's sake. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you want to hear my story or not? Yeah, sure. Okay. You know how you always talk about The Exorcist and how scared you were when you saw that movie? Oh, yes. 
Well, you know what? I saw that movie. I was babysitting all alone. You know, the kids went to bed, and, I, and they showed it on Showtime, right? Right. And so, of course, I was um, frozen in horror. I could have gotten up at any time and shut the TV off, but, I mean, I couldn't. I was like, oh, my God. I was so I scared of that movie. You wouldn't believe it. So 2 o'clock in the morning, these people come home, and they are so drunk, they can't drive me home. Really? Yeah. And so I go up the street, I cross the schoolyard, and then have to go through this small little park, have a few picnic benches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking around, and I'm like, I'm just terrified. You know what happened? The automatic sprinklers came on. <laughs> uh, I think I automatically assumed fetal position. <laughs> it was do you remember a movie called The Babysitter? Uh-uh. Okay, well, that's just as well. I was going to ask if it was you, but I guess not. Was she a, was it a nice person? Uh, she was a seductress. You? What do What's you mean? What's that supposed to mean? What is unclear about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Art. Tim in Denver. Hi, Tim. I was expecting Danelle to call me today and try to talk me out of a shirt. I never heard a word from her. Oh, well, she's got the number, so <laughs> I, I suspect you will. Did you get some calls? Oh, did we ever. Oh, did you ever, huh? Talked to some real nice people up in Oregon, some uh, great people down in Florida. We're going to have a club that's starting in Sarasota. I just got the word tonight from the lady. Oregon, Florida, Sarasota, they're going to start one? Sarasota, Florida. Uh, we'll have the, uh, well, as soon as we get our webpage, uh, he- uh, hooked up, the Art Bell Chat Club webpage, we'll yes. have the information on, on, uh, the meetings that'll be starting down, uh, Sarasota Way. But, uh, I, I kind of agree with you. Dr. Bell, uh, was quite intriguing, and you kind of got filled up real quick, and you need time to digest. Um, I do. I need time to think about Dr. Bell. I, you know, on the one hand, it would be easy to dismiss him as a nutcase, but he really, he, he wasn't quite there. In other words, there was something there, and um, not every guest is easily discernible, and, and, and he's definitely in that category. Well, he uh, came across that way uh, over the airwaves, but I, I do hope that... Uh, uh, as, n- as, not, as not easily discernible or as crazy? <laughs> no, he didn't sound crazy at all, Art, really. Uh, a little maybe on the fringe, but uh, we've heard that before. Well, I live on the fringe. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but uh, I, I hope you give him, uh, give him another uh, try here. I hope uh, we hear from him again. And uh, Interesting uh, guy, yeah. I would like to have heard what he had to say about some of the things uh, Ed Dames has come up with uh, concerning Hale Bob and uh, the uh, moment of transformation. Well, I don't. Listen, uh, remote viewing is not one of his disciplines at all. He only referred to remote viewing uh, in the context of uh, travel in the astral plane. Right. So I don't think he could have confirmed or denied what Ed Dames uh, had to say. But. Listen, Tim, one more time, I want to give you a chance. You're in Denver, and you've got a club there devoted to this program. <laughs> right. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not devoted to you personally, sorry. That's it's good. A, it's devoted to, to the show, and, and it's kind of an extension. It uh, gives uh, people an opportunity to, uh, to get together and discuss uh, 
the topics and the guests that you have on the show. And That's good. I wouldn't want it devoted to me. Well, uh, <laughs> we do talk about you. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't. Re I really wouldn't want. I, I understand. So I'm, I'm glad that it's for the topics. You know, that's much more fun. So, all right, so if somebody wants to join your club or come uh, down and see you. Right, contact us. Uh, our next meeting is this coming Saturday, and uh, the phone number is area code 303. 303-964-964-9090. 9090. Last meeting we had standing room only, and we... Uh, uh, by the end of the month, we'll be in, moved into a space two doors down with twice the space that we have now. So we'll have plenty of room to accommodate up to probably 150, 175 people. All right. Well, if you've really got T-shirts, I'm expecting one. You've, it's on It's on its way. Actually, there's it, it, two on the way. Oh, really? Well, I can't forget Ramona. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got a story to tell about Ramona after, uh, as a matter of fact, I will tell it after this break. This one will blow you away, Tim. Great. Have a good night. All right. You Bye -bye. take care. Yeah, I really do. I've got a story I've got to tell you all that you're just, it'll absolutely blow you away, I guarantee it. All right, I'm Art Bell, and this is the CBC Radio Network. Don't touch that dial. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. <laughs> Good morning. Well, what did you think of Dr. Fred Bell? I'm getting all manner of reactions. Messing around with music. It definitely, definitely puts you in an altered state. That's one of the places this man was coming from. We may do more. Daryl in Rancho Mirage nails it, I think. Uh, he says, you can almost, referring to Dr. Bell, you can almost hear his frontal lobe processing at the level of a partially controlled fusion reaction. I'll bet his IQ is off scale. This is the kind of genius that makes the breakthroughs. And um, then he gives me uh, good marks on the interview. Thank you. Uh, you know, that, that, is, that is correct. I think that's right. Uh, there are a lot of people you listen to, and they're right off on the edge. And sometimes it's a little difficult to tell. But Daryl is right. You could hear the man's brain racing along. 
and sometimes so quickly that it was difficult to keep up with. And so I kept trying to slow him down a little bit so that you could grasp what he was saying. But I recognized an awful lot of what he was saying uh, as in concert with the kind of technology that was described in the Philadelphia experiment, the kind of technology that was described by Bob Lazar, who is said to have engineered or back-engineered uh, alien craft at an area near me called Dreamland. So a very, very interesting interview. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Art. Good morning. Uh, listening to your show, very good uh, interview with this gentleman. Where are you? I'm calling from Montgomery, Alabama. All right. Um, you know, one thing you got to say about people like him, uh, it, uh, those who are exceptionally genius do seem to be a little more on the eccentric side. And uh, Eccentric, yes. Uh, he's definitely eccentric. <laughs> now, you know, I think and I just like to use that word because I'd like to say it's polite as opposed to saying he was touched. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Maybe, and, uh, but, 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 you know, the people that are touched a bit are the ones, as Daryl said, who tend to make the breakthroughs because they refuse to recognize the impossible. That's right. Uh, you know, we're uh, talking about time travel. I was reading a, uh, uh, I'm going to say a novel or a short story quite a few years back, and it's either by Heinlein or Asimov. Uh -huh. I get them both confused. It's talking about the dead past. And in this, I'll give the shortcut of the story. They were, this guy was trying to find an element the that would go pest. back to time that would enable him to make a time machine. And the government was trying to keep him from getting this element. Right. And the element, uh, for whatever it was, was, would enable him to be able to go back into the past. Uh -huh. And uh, the whole hint of the story about the dead past is, you know, he said, when is the dead past? You know, a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, uh -huh. yesterday? How about one second ago? And the reason why the government wanted to keep this element from them is because if you could view the dead past of one second ago, aren't you actually just looking at the present? And in this machine, he was able to be able to go to anybody, you know, go anywhere and see anything he wanted to. But therefore, you know, he let the uh, Pandora out of his box by allowing him to be able to see anybody's recent past, if you will. Well, let me tell you a couple of things Dr. Bell said that did ring true. One was he said he got to the future, but only microseconds. And when he got far enough into the future with the crude machine he had, there was absolutely nothing because nothing had occurred yet. And I found that intriguing. And he also made reference to what you just said, the dead past. It is there, but it's dead. The only thing that's really occurring is now, as we create it. Mm -hmm. We leave a trail behind like a comet, uh, and that is a past, but it can't be lived in the way you can live in this one, and there is no future until we create it. Very, well, kind of, very interesting. That's kind of interesting, too, because when you talk about remote viewing and being able to see future events, as Major Ed Dames has talked about the with the special delivery package, you know, how is he able to see something like that if the... I don't know. It, you know it's really interesting. I don't know. Really? Well, by the way, uh, Strange Universe was on tonight, and I was trying to listen to them between and hear you at the same time. They did a uh, story about the Jasper, uh, Arkansas incident. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, Strange Universe says they have obtained some of the clothing of the children that were sick there. Really? So you may want to contact your uh, friend at Strange Universe All right. and see what their results were. I will. They're going to do some set, uh, their own independent testing on it since the government's going to cover it. Boy, I'll tell you, Strange Universe and this program, we sure do go down similar paths. Well, you know, people like you need to do it because we're not getting the information we need. I know. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, Montgomery, Alabama. Okay, let me tell you what I was going to tell you before the break uh, at the bottom of the hour. It is tentative at this point. But I got a fax earlier today. Well, let me read it to you, okay? Uh, dear Mr. Bell, I am with the CBS News program 48 Hours, which airs Thursdays at 10 p.m. Last week, I read an interesting Associated Press report on you and your coast-to-coast -coast radio program. I was very intrigued by it and thought your story might make an interesting piece for our nationally broadcast show. I would greatly appreciate it if you would contact me so that we could chat a bit. I can be, re and then she tells me how to be reached, how I can reach her. I have a message machine on my phone, blah, blah, blah. Look forward to hearing uh, from you, Barbara Lippman, producer, CBS News. Now, 48 hours has been trying to contact me, apparently, for some time. In the effort to try to contact me, they called, I guess, most of the bells, you know. Now, I've got an unlisted phone number, so don't try to call the bells in the phone book here in Pahrump. But that's what 48 Hours did, along with a lot of my listeners. And there is listed in the phone book an R bell. And uh, this producer at 48 Hours thought, well, Ramona Bell. And so she called... R. Bell. Turns out, of course, it is not my Ramona. Now, please don't call R. Bell. That is not my number. And this poor lady, it turns out, has been awakened in the middle of the night uh, several times every night, every night of the week, with people trying to get hold of her. She got a call from a preacher last week. It might have been J.C., uh, and she's, uh, this R. Bell in the phone book, is a very nice lady, apparently quite religious, and this guy called her about 2 or 3 in the morning and talked her ear off about me for two hours. Two hours! And, of course, being polite, I mean, who's going to hang up on a preacher? So this poor lady lost half her night's sleep talking to this preacher, raging on about me. For two hours. <laughs> so, finally, um, somehow, for, uh, 48 hours got my phone number, uh, my fax number, and faxed me, and we went from there. Now, that would be an interesting experience. My understanding of 48 hours modus operandi is that they literally come and live with you for 48 hours? 
Is that the way it works? So that is looming on the horizon. <laughs> but please, folks, do not call people in the phone book in here in Pahrump, Nevada, because I have an unlisted number. None of the bells who are listed in Pahrump would be me. None of the bells would be my wife or anybody connected with me. They are poor souls who simply share my name and take the blame, if you follow me. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, Art. Um, I just wanted to uh, tell you, uh, make sure you get a USA Today today. Comet Hellbop is the front page cover story. Good. In USA Today. Also, I heard on another uh, local talk show here in Dallas, Texas, uh, there was a woman last night who was talking about um, aspartame and NutraSweet, and she claimed that that's what's causing the uh, the Persian Gulf uh, illness, that uh, the diet sodas that the people sent over sat out in the sun and it cooked the uh, NutraSweet and turned it into a poison. And it well, then there are, if that's true, then there ought to be a lot of it going on here a long time ago because they leave sodas in the sun. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm not sure I buy that. Yeah, they sit out at the gas stations. Yeah, know. right. So I'm not sure I buy that one. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to call in the, and, and let you know and make sure you check out a uh, USA Today. Appreciate I, I will do that. picture Mr. Hale on the, uh, on the cover there also. Well, good. It's about time. And uh, Newsweek is going to have an article. They may well mention us in the next issue as well. It says, Comet's a Whopper on the front. Good. Oh, great. Thank you. Finally. It's about time. Would you like to come to Alaska with us? We are going to Alaska. Ramona will be there. I will be there. We will have meetings. We will allow you to take photographs. We will take photographs with you. But most of all, the trip, folks, the trip. Oh, the trip. Alaska, you've got to see it. August 23rd. And you cannot wait. We are trying. See, we're going on a brand new ship, the Dawn Princess. Brand new. Boy, are they fun. Wait till you see this ship. We begin in uh, Vancouver, B.C., British Columbia, which is a beautiful city. There we board this brand new ship and sail toward Alaska through the famed Inside Passage to Ketchikan. Then Juneau the capital of Alaska, which can only be accessed by water or air, and then Skagway. Then we sail right up to the face of the towering ice fields in Glacier Bay National Park. Talk about photo ops. And in Majestic College Fjord. This is a trip, folks, that will be with you all your life. There is not money better spent than on travel. Then it doesn't stop there. When we get to Seward, Alaska, we go into Anchorage, board the Princess Cruises luxurious ultra-dome rail cars, and go to the famed Denali National Park. And then on by rail to Fairbanks, Alaska. In other words, you're going to see what the tourists see, and then a lot more. You're going to see the real Alaska. This is, uh, a, believe me, this is God's country. Come with us.
Won't you please? You've got to make your decision very quickly. Today is the 12th. On the 15th, the price is going to go up. Unless we can talk Princess Cruise Lines into keeping it down. But there is, at this moment, no guarantee of that. So, call. Do it. East of the Rockies, call one 800 633-2732. That's 1-800-633-2732 or west of the Rockies. 1-800-848-7120. That's 1-800-848-7120. Come on along. We're going to have a blast. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. Um, this is JJ from Austin. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, uh, I've got a few things. First of all, I was wondering if you uh, had received my faxes yet on the re- uh, report of the my investigation on the Chupacabra story. No. Hmm. Still has not got it. Maybe the fax. Maybe I'm not faxing it right. Uh, I'll have to possibly retry it again. All right. Um, well, wait a minute. How many pages are it's, you? It's only. It's only. Two pages and then a paragraph, so it's like on three pages. Uh, that'll be all right, then. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, I'm probably just not sending it right. Um, uh, secondly, I wonder if you... Uh, I tried to get through while he was on, but um, I wonder if he knows of the work that Stephen Gibbs claims that he's done. I should have asked. I did, I did, of course, mention Madman Markham, uh, not Stephen Gibbs. Uh-huh. I'm familiar with your story on Madman Markham. Yeah. Um, I think Stephen Gibbs' claim is much more fascinating than um, so far. And, and, and so far, every time you've discussed this matter, um, the people that are deal- uh, dealing with uh, this subject on the level that uh, Dr. Bell is dealing with it on... Right. Um, they kind of point fingers in the direction that Stephen Gibbs' claim, uh, how he claims the machine works. I agree. All of that. I agree. I mean, they all seem to be moving in the same kind of uh, direction, definitely. Um, I, I, I really uh, would love to hear more stuff on Stephen Gibbs. I've, I know you, uh, me and other callers in the past have uh, been asking a little bit about him. Well, I, I also would like to solicit, uh, thank you, right now, anybody else who's got a good guest for me on the subject of time travel. I'm definitely stuck on this. I know it's a soft spot right here in the middle of my head. Time travel, I am absolutely fascinated by it. And... I really do think it winds into Tesla technology, winds into the technology used during the so-called Philadelphia experiment, and the propulsion technology that so many people talk about. And I know this is going to fly over a lot of heads out there, but I'm telling you somewhere there is somebody working on a time machine with today's technology and I am bound and determined to find them. So if you know of a person like that, fax me at area code 702-727-8499 or send me email at artbell at aol.com. Artbell at aol.com. Try and provide a phone number. 
West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Art. Yes. This is David Nagora. Hello. How you doing? First time caller. Yes, sir. Um, the way everybody keeps saying thank you and thank you and stuff, yeah. I like to thank the listeners and the people that support you, the ones that call in. What yeah. I want to talk about is out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. About a year ago, you know, I heard and I've had those dreams since 79 in high school and stuff. And right. I finally figured out what they are. And, you know, I've lost a brother and a sister in my last dream that I had yes. with them. We were driving in this car, and then uh, it ended like I was driving. They were in the back seat, and it was like heading into a tunnel yeah. and straight onto a train or something like that. And then I was upside down falling, and they stayed up there, and then I woke up in my bed, and I found out what out-of-body experiences were. It was pretty cool. I've never done it. No? No. I've been not not, not that I know of. Yeah, I've been practicing it and stuff and getting good at it. And I'm what afraid. I want to do is you, you've got, no, you've got a ham radio, right? I do. Okay, I'm going to try to come down the antenna and just slide open your closet a little bit later on tonight when you're sleeping. Don't and you then if it dare. Opens, don't huh? you do, don't, don't you. Don't we do, oh, come on, let no. me try. No. No? No. Go sliding down somebody else's oh, antenna. man, I want to open your closet. No, you don't. Yeah. Trust me, you don't. Uh, your astral spirit could get crushed. <laughs> well, I, I could get shot, too. My, my physical spirit has almost been crushed a few times opening that closet. So yeah. you've got well, I've never tried to move anything. Or something, so <laughs> if, I have, if, you know, if your closet's cracked open, then maybe I'll be listening about midnight tomorrow, and you'll be talking about David Nagora, who opened your closet. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> likely tomorrow I'll come in, I'll find this giant heap of junk on the floor... Uh, uh, some sort of that. squirming little astral spirit. Like a blob or something? A, a, a blob, an astro, that's right, an astral blob <laughs> squirming at the bottom of all this stuff that has fallen on top of it. <laughs> hey, well, I love your show. So and pra- I found out, found out my aunt listens to you, too. She's up all night. Your aunt? Yep. Where, aunt where is she? She's in um, Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Yeah, Orange County way. We'll say hi to your aunt. I will, and thank you very much, Art. All right. And uh, see you tonight. All right. Well, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Say hi to your aunt. Uh, hi, Aunt Susie. If yeah. you're listening, yeah. I love you. All right. Stay the hell out of my closet. Believe me, that would not be a safe astral journey for you at all. <laughs> well, from the radio program that will do anything at all, we'll be back and do more of it. Open lines. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. I'm Art Bell, and this is CBC. calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. 
First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. All right, onward. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello, sir. Hello. I have a question for you. All right. I'm curious about uh, the uh, remote viewing. Okay. I'm a kind of a new listener, and uh, I was listening Thursday, and you, know, you most of Thursday's show was on that remote viewing. Correct. But I'm curious as to exactly what remote viewing is. I mean, is it? I, I, I'm not sure. Um. That's a very involved question that would take a long time to answer, but basically... Can you do a long story short? It is basically the ability of a person using certain protocols to be able to view an object or an event in time, present, future, or past, um, and actually uh, write or sketch details of what they see. And... It is a, a very specific protocol developed in the uh, military and now used uh, in civilian life. And so, in other words, uh, it's a kind of a psych, uh, let's see, a disciplined psychic is the way you might think of it. That is interesting. Yes, it is. Military funded uh, a project for it for 20 years. And they stopped? Yes. Well, <laughs> That's, they say? that's what they say. I gotcha. But they also say there is no Area 51. That's true, too. Well, we love your show. Thank you, Art. Thank, where are you, by the way? I'm actually in Denver. Denver. All right. Uh, thank you uh, very much. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Uh, good to talk to you. I hope you're going to be on Mike Murphy's program sometime soon. Uh, Mike and I are very good friends. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Good guy. Um, I actually saw Courtney Brown, I think it was here in town. I think it was around the time that he was on your show the first time. Right. And one of the things that he mentioned was uh, his definition of God, and I heard you refer to that. I didn't hear him when he was on your show. It's the best I've ever heard. It was sure interesting. I don't know yes. if it was the same thing I heard, but wow. Well, all right, let's see if it is. Um, okay. He essentially said that God was a lonely uh, entity mm -hmm. and that... In that loneliness, he finally, in effect, blew himself up, yep. creating all that is now, uh, and the souls, and uh, that we are, in essence, God parts. That's, that's the way I got it. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I found it fascinating. Yeah, too. me too. I was going to ask you about, um, I don't know if you've ever asked a remote viewer, uh, I'm always interested in things that they haven't remote viewed. But uh, I wonder if you've ever asked them, any of them if they've sort of tried to confirm the creation theory, like going back in time and yes. looking at that. Yes. But you have. Oh, yes. Uh, I, well, I have not done it. I have oh. asked the question, yes. And um, uh, Ed Dames, Major Ed Dames, has mm -hmm. confirmed um, Christ. Uh-huh. What about, like, the origin of man? Did he have any views on that? Or? I don't think I asked him about that. Okay. Well, I enjoy your program, and there's nothing else like it, that's for sure. Uh, no, there isn't. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Well, there's nothing else quite like it, is there? Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, Art, I have a 
first of all, you're you're doing a good show, and I've sort of been uh, trapped into it uh, by being a uh, an ins uh, insomnia. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I never know quite what to say about that. Um, we have uh, several radio stations here in town that are owned by a Chancellor Broadcasting. Oh, uh, where are you? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Uh, and you're going to ask, uh, is it the same Chancellor? You're uh, good. Uh, the answer is no. Okay, because I was wondering if there would be a way to pressure them into taking it. <laughs> well, if they were Chancellor, we'd say to take, hey, you take this show now. <laughs> uh, so the answer is no. Uh, your town is one we need to get into. Uh, as you know, we're in Cleveland. You're in Cleveland, you're in Richmond, you're in Chicago. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sometimes those signals are a little fuzzy. Or... Well, my advice would be as follows. Call them up and bug them, but politely. Right. And uh, eventually we will be there. I mean, we, we're beginning to sort of... The show um, is beginning to snowball and catch fire on its own. And we have radio stations now calling us. As a matter of fact, we're getting into kind of a weird thing now where we've got so many affiliates that we have some markets that are fighting about us. Oh, really? Yeah, it's hard. You know, you get two radio stations <laughs> in the same town, and they both want it, and, and you get into this war. It's pretty ugly. Well, stop me if I'm uh, treading on dangerous uh, ground here, but... Uh... <sighs> The big broadcaster here in Cincinnati, J-Corps, yes, is taking over uh, your your uh, channel in Rochester. Uh huh. Yeah, we're on a bunch of J-Corps uh, stations all over the country. Well, rumor had it at one time that they were going to uh, put on uh, a different show on that fifty thousand watt station. You that mean, was a rumor that reached me. You mean an all night show? Yeah, a, a trucking show. Oh, a trucking show. Well, they they might. You never know. But I'll tell you this. We're number one. Well, that's, that, you know, with the, the, the... You know, I've got the survey for Rochester, and we've been number one for a long time. Yeah, with the stuff you do, I don't know why they would want to change up there. Well, I can tell you about the truckers, and I will. You know, I don't mind discussing this. Um, there are a number of truckers' networks out there. And what the truckers do... First of all, let me tell you about my show. We do not charge radio stations for this program. It's what's called a barter basis, okay? And that means they get to run their commercials, and we run ours, and everybody's happy, and they don't have to pay us. Mm -hmm. The majority of syndicated radio programs are marketed that way. The truckers' networks, uh, because of the nature of their programming, which is not necessarily all that popular to the average person, um, is not of interest to these radio stations, except for one thing. They pay. Up to up to a million dollars a year. So, obviously, if a radio station gets offered a million dollars a year uh, versus a barter show, uh, there is no contest. And if they don't care about their ratings, then they grab the million and run... And I really can't blame them. Well, the story on this one is that uh, the, the uh, J-Corps flagship station here in Cincinnati carries it, and I think they would like to establish a network and would like to uh, hook on to a couple of 50,000 waters. Uh, and uh, they've got 
they have or it's pending, uh, you know, the getting of WHAM in Rochester. Right. And uh, it the might, it might rumor happen. was that it was going to go on there. And perhaps I'm telling things out of school that no, they, no, don't want cool. to, they don't want to let out yet, you know? No, it's cool. It's cool. Look, if J-Corps does that, it's what they do. Uh, we're on a lot of J-Corps stations uh, around the country. But as I said to you, um, you, it's really hard to fight uh, somebody who walks in and plunks down a million bucks. Yeah, or if the company owns it and they say we want to establish uh, our own uh, network. Well, and that's why they would be doing it, for money. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, well, it's all, it's it's all money-driven. It's an interesting time with uh, with uh, radio and uh, the uh, the various you know companies gobbling up uh, lots of radio stations. Oh yeah, I'm not sure it's uh, it's all bad or all good. There, it's a two-edged sword. I will tell you this though. Um, by survey, we've got gazillions more truckers that listen to this show than any of the truckers' networks. Mm -hmm. Period. Well, who knows? Maybe we can uh, talk the uh, the local JCOR station into putting it on here. Uh, uh, could be. It sure would be better than, uh, say, Rush Limbaugh reruns overnight. Well, I like Rush, but, you know, he's uh, Rush does one thing and we do another, and this one fits what is on at night, Yep. and Rush fits what's on during the day. Thanks, Art. Thank you. Take care, sir. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. This is Kate in Dallas. Hi, Kate. Um, I don't know if you got my email like a month ago. I'm really new at doing this kind of stuff. But the things that you talked about with Dr. Hale was the, exactly the things I needed for my report for school for asteroids. So it was really cool. It was so helpful. It's really interesting. Um, I, you know, I get a lot of email, huh? So oh, I'm, I'm sure not sure. Do. I'm sorry. And I'm very, and I think that's like the first time I'd ever done it in my life. <laughs> you mean sent <laughs> like, email? That's probably going to work, yeah. <laughs> I see. Um, did you hear on the news about that um, about that guy in Europe? And he um, he is a history teacher. Well, actually, what happened was there was this cave in Europe, and they found this, this these bones. Yeah. And so they had studied, or they wanted to do a study to see if anyone in the community, his family had lived there for years and years and years and years, um, if anyone was related to this guy. So they took some of the DNA out of his jawbone, and um, they studied the DNA of of those people there that were in the community, and they found one history professor that was a direct descendant. I thought that was really weird. It is. It really is weird, it yeah. Is. You know, I have a tarantula, and you, I was kind of disappointed because... A pet tarantula? Yeah. It's a Tillian rose. It's really beautiful. It's rose-haired. And uh, she's re uh, actually, it's a boy. I thought it was a girl. But anyway, it's a boy. And you know how you always want your pets to, like, have an affection for you and everything? Does it, how does a excuse me? How does a tarantula <laughs> mm -hmm. express affection? Well, I don't know. You know, you bring it crickets, and you think, oh, you know, it's hungry, and you know, you kind of think of it like a cat or your dog or whatever. Because yeah. you think, I don't know, you just think that they're like waiting for you or whatever. Because it's so sweet, and it just sits wait, there. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> how do you know that a tarantula? I'm serious about this. Is sweet, or yeah. that that it loves you? Or that it well, even cares about you. I, I mean, know, that's the problem. What's really docile is actually what the term actually would be. Because I got this book, and it says that your tarantula doesn't love you. It doesn't have any affection at all. The only reason it doesn't bite you is because it, it like, senses the chemicals in your skin, and yeah. it recognizes that you would not make a tasty meal. 
This is the only reason it doesn't bite me. Well, that is not what I would call affection and love. I agree. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed when I read that today. Hey, if you were an because animal, what mean, kind of animal would you be and why? If I was an animal? Yeah. I would be a bird. Why? Because I would I want to fly. That's, you know, a lot of people have flying dreams. I have many of them. I do, too. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting animal. All right, well, it's nice talking to you. Uh, good talking to you. Thank you very much. I would be a bird, I do believe. I'm going to prove something to you. And what I told, told that caller, uh, there are a lot of truckers' networks out there right now, so-called truckers' networks. And they somehow think they cater to truckers. You know, they play some country and western music, and I guess they talk about traffic jams. <laughs> I don't know what the truckers' networks do, frankly. But for a long time, I've known that we have uh, gazillions of truckers listening. So I'm going to ask why I do this. I don't know, but I, I want to prove a point. So for the next 30 minutes, I want everybody out there to hang up. Stop calling on all lines. Stop calling. That means on the first-time caller line, the wild card line, the international line, the east of the Rockies line, the west of the Rockies line, Hang up, okay? And I want to open all my lines for truckers, only for truckers. I want to prove a point. You should see I get hundreds, thousands of letters and, and email from truckers, and there is no question about it. And what I would like is the view of truckers, uh, in other words, do you guys sit out there and listen to the Truckers Network because you're a trucker? Or do you listen to this program because of the subject material? I really would like to know. So, as usual, I will just ask, would everybody else please hang up? Anyway, they've been asking me to do this for a long time. So, all my lines, and I'll give out the numbers are open for the next 35 minutes only for truckers. And I would like to get your comments. Because what that caller said is true. These truckers' networks are going around and sucking up these big 50,000-watt nighttime stations so they can specifically program to truckers. And though I haven't done a lot of listening, I believe that... Uh, the primary content of the programming is, I guess, country music, because they figure country, uh, truckers like country, which is somewhat true, and whatever else they do. So I'm going to close all my lines for everybody, every normal person out there, and I'm hereby opening my lines only to truckers, and I'm going to ask you guys what you listen to and what you know about out there. And let the affiliates, the radio stations out there, sit and listen. And maybe some of the programmers out there will realize as they hear this, which I know they're going to, that programming specifically designed for a trucker is not necessarily what a trucker listens to, you know? I mean, they've got a radio dial. They tune across. They can listen to anything. So... That's it for the next 35 minutes. If you're not a trucker, hang up 
and let the truckers get through. Here are the numbers. First time caller line, area code 702-727-1222. The wild card lines, area code 702-727-1295. West of the Rockies, 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. And what I'm going to do is, I'm about to prove a point. Truckers only. Let's see if we can do it, okay? Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. How you doing, Art? I'm all right. I'm calling from my cellular phone. Uh, am I coming in okay? I hear you. Yeah, uh, uh, we were talking about uh, truckers going in the trucks and uh, stuff like that, right? Yes. Yeah, the you know, network and stuff. I'll uh, turn my uh, car radio down. Coming up to our 7-11. Call the wild card lines, area 702-727-1295. Just one question I want to ask. Yes. Uh, are you going to be having any guests on pretty soon? What guests? Uh, like uh, some of my UFOs. You know, I, uh, this one, I, I just got to express my opinion real quick right here. Y'all, uh, you have this girl who's saying she, um, that she, like she had sex with a lizard, right? Pamela. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're wasting your time with that lady. You know, you know, you know, you know damn well that's not true, you know. How do you know it's not true? Uh, is it an alien lizard? That's what she said. Oh, man, man, she got to get off the acid. She need to stay off the acid. You think so, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for the call. Trucker number one. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, hi, Art. Hello, are you a trucker? Yes, I am. I'm off tonight. I'm not in my truck. All right. Uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't listen to you, to be honest with you. Um, what about all these truckers' networks? Oh, uh, like... uh, the TRM. Uh, you know, some of the old fogies listen to that stuff, but, uh, um, I'm, you know, I run down the road at night, and, and I uh, somebody hollers on the CB and says, did you hear what he just said? And they're always talking about, you know... Um, whoever you have, have on tonight. Right. I'm trying to prove a point, and you're really helping me. I, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for the next 30 minutes, truckers only. From the high desert, this is CBC. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. Truckers only. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. It is. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of these trucker shows begging for calls. Well, I'm going to prove a point to you right now. 
Truckers only for the next half hour. All telephone numbers. Everybody else, hang up. Truckers talk to each other. They've got CB. They've got other communication devices. They sit at truck stops. They know what they listen to. So you watch, and you listen carefully, because we're about to prove a point. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Where are you? Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, somewhere, huh? Yeah, south of Oklahoma City. All right. Well, what do you know about what truckers listen to? <laughs> I don't like the stereotype, don't fit it, don't listen to country crap. <laughs> well, now I, I wouldn't say country crap. Well, I would. <laughs> uh, well, that's all right. They, they give us tapes to listen to with the company. That, I've got three trucks. Most of my drivers listen to you. We talk about it when we're together. And uh, we turn CB off and listen to you when we're alone most of the time. And I don't know. I feel more informed that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're beginning to get the idea. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Well, good morning, Art Bell. Hi. Where are you? Uh, this is Lonnie in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Art, I just got one thing. To, uh, well, several things, but one thing in particular. Um, Truckers are probably one of the most individualistic people in the world. You bet they are. And to try to stereotype us as uh, country and western uh, uh, music lovers, you know, that's ridiculous for one. Um, if anything, I think uh, every probably every driver has their own individual network. Um, just real quick, uh, from here at Klamath Falls uh, to Portland, I pick you up on about four different stations on the back roads I have to take. Right. Um, North of Klamath, I, I, I pick you up on KGO here in Klamath Falls. Uh, I pick up a station out of Las Vegas for a while. Right, KXNT. And the station out of Portland. I can't remember the call letters, though. Uh, KEX. And then when I'm up against Hood and I can't get the signal, I pick up Como out of Seattle. Como, 1000, yes, sure. And, uh, All right, but the only point I was trying to prove is that truckers are not stereotyped, and because you present something called a trucker's network, doesn't automatically mean truckers are going to go and listen to it. Oh, that's ridiculous. You know, most of these people that put these uh, these networks together are uh, <clears throat> ex-truckers probably themselves. And, um, you know, they're from a different age. Uh, most of your truck stops are owned by ex-truckers who are, you know, sure. in their 60s and 70s, and this is what they did. And it's just totally different uh, today. I, I appreciate the input, sir. Thank you. East of the Rockies, somewhere or another, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Hello there. Yep, I'm out. Uh, I'm on uh, I-75 south of uh, about the 127-mile marker headed for Columbus, Ohio. Yes, sir. And I listen to you, Art, <laughs> every night. Well, do you do you get a sense from CB or at truck stops of what people listen to? Oh, yeah. We were just talking about you tonight at the terminal about all the things you had on the air, and it's real interesting. I'll tell you, we really feel sorry for the people from Desert Storm. We really hope that uh, something gets done there and uh, that the President of the United States here recognizes that these guys were given their lives and uh, their families didn't bargain for this, and that uh, hopefully this thing gets straightened out and we get these guys on the right track. I hope so. Listen, what is your attitude about these so-called truckers' networks? Well, I think uh, I think there is uh, a lot of people who listen to you, a lot of truckers, you know, they, they really look for something that uh, piques their interest and... Uh, you do a heck of a job. Um, I'm not a conservative, but I'll tell you something. I really respect you because uh, you're pretty darn fair, and uh, that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm just looking for somebody who piques my interest and someone who's fair because uh, 
just bashing somebody from the other side is no good, you know. I know. I, I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. And what I'm trying to prove here is that truckers are not a class unto themselves in the sense that they can be programmed to and they will automatically go to the Truckers Network, whatever it is. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I call him from Juba's Truck Stop in Portland. Yes, sir. Uh, I've listened to you since uh, last November. I heard about you at a truck stop, and I've uh, you're my late night. I, I switch off, to turn off the CB, and listen to you until you go off in the morning. Gee, even the CB goes off. That's right. Yikes. <laughs> well, um, truckers are not exactly stereotyped anymore, are they? In other words, because you put on a trucker's network doesn't mean that the truckers all listen to it, huh? No, uh, you get tired of the music. At, uh, it, music gets to the point where you get sleepy, but uh, I don't have that trouble listening to you. All right, my friend. Thank you very, very much, and I, I appreciate the uh, support. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you, sir? I am in Southern Illinois. All right. Welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Uh, first off, I want you to do one thing for me. Okay. You gotta get this guy, John Sajak. If they get Egyptologist, you gotta get him back on there sometime. Oh, uh, you mean the the fellow I had on uh, Dreamland Sunday? Uh huh. Yeah, sure. I mean, this guy is interesting. Yep, very. Are you a trucker? Yes, sir. And uh, do you generally listen here? Uh, I sleep in the daytime, so I can stay up at night just to do this. So you don't gravitate automatically to the so-called truckers network? Uh, I don't want to. You know, I believe that. I don't listen to it now. All right, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, my old friend. Hi. I used to listen to you all the time when I was out on the road. You did, huh? Yeah, I drove for 14 years over the road. Now I'm a night dispatcher for a trucking company. Oh, you are? Yeah. Now, the main reason that, that uh, I listen to you is that it kept my mind active. And late at night when I'm rolling down the road and I listen to country music or rock music, any type of music, really. It's a, a mood depressor. It either depresses you and puts you to sleep, or you just keep hearing the same thing and you get bored. But on your show, everything was all new. It was uh, exciting. It got your mind thinking. And the time passes quickly. Yes, it does. Uh huh. Yes, I, I hear you. When I've uh, I've done a lot of cross-country uh, driving, and talk radio has kept me company, so I know. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, you know, these, these truckers' networks are trying to sell the broadcasting industry on the fact that because they put a truckers' network on, that's what the truckers are going to listen to. No. I know. The truckers yeah. listen to, to basically anything, but at night, uh, the majority of them that I know of all listen to talk shows. And then at night, I have a satellite system that I can talk to trucks with, and we're always communicating back about your show. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Art. How you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Where are you? I'm in my rig right now. Uh, I work for the post office in Tampa, and uh, I listen to your show every night. In Tampa, Florida? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, that's very interesting. Way down there, huh? Yeah, I'm calling on a cell phone in my rig right now. I can tell. Well, what what is your attitude about these so-called trucker networks? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm listening to you on AM 570. Uh, I uh, don't listen to trucker networks. I don't like country. I'm a rock and roller. Actually, and, I am, uh, too. I, I just love your show because of the subject matter. Uh, you know, Mel's Hole and all that and... Uh, Frank Bell and the people you have on there, it's just a good show. It's a great show. 
Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. I can barely hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this better? Um, a little bit. Are you a trucker? Yes, I am. Where are you? I am calling from a payphone in uh, Utah here, just all, just outside of Parowan, Utah. Okay. Uh, well, what about you? Um, obviously, you're listening to this program now, but what is your attitude about the truckers' networks, so-called? Uh, I've been out here for two years, and I've only listened to it once. Uh, I don't really care for it at all. Uh, I don't like the music or anything. Uh, only complaint that I have about your show is when I'm going down the road, I usually have to go through two or three stations to keep uh, keep listening to your show. I love your show. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you very much. I'm just simply trying to uh, prove a point. Thank you very much for making the call. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, this is John from Highland, California. And Hello. I'm a trucker. Yes, hi, John. And uh, I listen to your show every night at home and at out on the road, that is, when I can find it, all I need to do is get a list of where your stations are, but, yeah. Well, by the way, we do have a full and complete list on our website. If you're ever able to get up there, you can print it out and find out every station across the country. That'd be great. All right, my friend, thank you. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, how you doing? This is Brian from Belleville, Michigan. Brian, you're going to have to yell at me. I can barely hear you. This is Brian from Belleville, Hawkins. Yes, sir. Or, I'm sorry, Belleville, Michigan? Yes, sir. Calling you from Galesburg. Love your show. I found you about two years ago. Are you a trucker? Yes, sir. Um, so you managed to hold us pretty much as you drive? Yeah, the big 50,000-watt stations help a lot. Yes, they do. Um, well, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this, because some of the big stations are getting drawn into this trucker's network thing, thinking that... That's what truckers listen to. Yeah, I was really disappointed when Detroit's big one left you for that. For trucking, yes, I know. So they lost me. Well, we've got another one in Detroit, WCHR, and they're about to go way up in power, so you'll, you'll be able to get us again just fine. Oh, 1,300. Yes, sir. I'll be looking forward actually, to that. I, actually, I think it's 1,200, but they're about to go way up in power. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Sure. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. Turn your radio off. Okay, it's off. Okay, where are you? Okay, I'm down here just north of Wichita, Kansas. Yes, sir. And I'll tell you, uh, I'd rather listen to you than any of the truckers networks because, well, I mean, like the other the other driver said, it's uh, it keeps your mind active. It keeps you thinking. Well, uh, what do you hear from other truckers? I'm sure you must talk to other people about what they listen to. Oh, I do. Uh, uh, I try to convert them over to listening to you because uh, I talk to them about you, and they say, well, that, that sounds pretty interesting. It's better than music, and they'll listen. All right, my friend. Thank you from out in the middle of the that's Heartland country. On my international line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Sounds like it's unanimous. Uh, where are you? I'm in Kananaskis, Alberta, Canada. Uh, are you a trucker? Part-time, yeah. Uh, so you listen when you're on the road? Yes. Yeah, I drive a snowcat out to the wilderness and then hop in that and and uh, do my thing. I was actually out there when you played your Yeti yell, and you're right. <laughs> you don't want to be in the middle of nowhere. No, you don't. Thank you. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art, this is uh, Wade down here in Terrestrial, Florida. Yes, sir. Uh the, the Comet. Have you seen it tonight? Uh, are you a trucker, sir? Uh, no. We're yeah. holding the line open for truckers. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. 
Hi, this is Joe, and uh, I had to turn down the radio. Hi, Joe. Just want to say that the uh, reason that I listen to the show is because there's no, it's an uppity show. Nobody wants to listen to this crap and this politics about everybody, you know, and sad things and, and people putting everybody down. I like to listen to people that are talking about positive things like Gil Gross and, and you and uh, Bruce Williams and things that make you happy. And the show keeps me interesting, and for all the other truck drivers, I'd just like to say that. <laughs> all right. We'll get back to more truckers in a moment. We're going to do that through the top of the hour. All right. I'm just trying to prove a point, and I think I'm doing it very well. Let me continue through the top of the hour. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Hi, from a fellow ham and a trucker. All right. I just want to let you know, uh, me and a bunch of other trucker-type hams, I, I'm in Loudoun, Tennessee. name is Nick, and I run uh, Virginia and the Carolinas, Tennessee. Yes, sir. But there's a bunch of us get together on a pretty good coverage repeater in the middle of the night, uh, oh, about a half a dozen of us, sometimes more or less. And uh, we listen to you, and during the breaks, we talk to each other on two meters and talk about what's going on. So I really enjoy your show. Well, what I'm trying to do is to... to uh, talk to the broadcasters in a sense and let them hear from you guys because I know we've got more truckers listening than these so-called truckers networks. Yeah, and they're, be- they're, they're kind of stale. You know, I'm mean, Charlie Douglas's road gang and stuff like that. I've been on the road off and on for about 20, 20 years or so. Of course, I don't fit the stereotype anyway. I'm I don't wear Tony Lama boots and don't, don't have a chain-dry wallet, but uh-huh. uh, I'm a rock and roller, too. But the truckers, and that's, I guess, are okay if you want to hear a weather forecast in southwest Missouri when you're in, in eastern Tennessee. Mm. But uh, no, I really enjoy your show, and like I said, uh, there, there's, there's a bunch of us out here. and you know, we, uh, you're, you're the topic of conversation during the break. I thank you, my friend. Thank you very much for the call. Wild Card Line, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, good evening. My name is Rob Cat from Blythe, California. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, I thoroughly enjoyed your show on Hellbop with Dr. Alan Hale. Yes. Are, are, are you a trucker? Yes, definitely. Oh, you are. All right. But I'm, a, I'm not on duty tonight. Okay. Um, you know, okay, one question is um, on Dr. J- oh, have you ever had Dr. J. Allen Hynek on your show? Uh, no, I haven't, but I'll, I'll see what I can do about that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello, Art. Hello. Hey, good to talk to you. Where are you? I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, I listen to you, oh, I guess about two or three years now. Two or three years, right. And, uh, yeah, I never listen to the trucking shows. And, uh, I like your programs, like what you're doing. And, uh, one thing is, uh, I missed the show on the update on the Kramer case. On the Kramer case. Uh-huh. Uh, well, the update was that, uh, uh Philip Taylor Kramer is, uh, dead and, um, uh, the uh, the rest of the information is going to the police in Ventura County, and when that part of it is resolved, uh, believe me, we'll get the update on the air. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello? Hello. Hi. This is Steve. I'm uh, calling from Los Angeles. Hello, Steve. And uh just want to say I enjoy your show. And just Did you receive my email of the Hale Bop image I sent you? I did. Thank you. Okay. And you can post it on your website if you want. I don't care. I mean, it's, I was very proud of it. <laughs> I understand. It's yeah. not easy to get. Yeah. Um, I just to say, too, that the trucker networks are always so boring. It's, you know, road conditions and trucker stuff, you know, like motors and transmissions. Who cares? <laughs> you know, I just want to drive my truck and listen to you. You know, I can keep my, my mind going. All right, my friend. I, I appreciate the support. Thank you very much. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art. Hey. 
John in Colorado. How, how are you doing, John? Great, great. Just making another run, doing it five nights a week. Yes, sir. Well, I just got to say, uh, we listen to y'all, our whole company does. Uh, we're all across the nation, but uh, uh, we never listen to the other station, the trucker station. So you guys are not glued to the truckers' network, so-called? What's that? We're not glued to what? The truckers' network, so-called. No, 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 no. Um, there's nothing on there that'll keep you awake, at least with your uh, your show. You know, we have something to think about, keep us awake all night, uh, get us to our terminals. I appreciate the call, my friend. Thank you. And uh, you truckers might call the broadcasters, the stations, you know, that you listen to, and let them know what I'm proving right now. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Art. Yes, sir. Mike in Wyoming tonight. Hi, Mike. A lot better than the trucking shows, i got to <laughs> tell you, every night. Well, I've been telling people this for a long time, but I thought after the call I had, I'd finally take about a half hour and try to prove it. One more plug, Art. Absolutely fresh flyers. Yes, sir. Greatest thing in the world when you travel like I do. My wife loves them. Um, I guess when you travel as much as you do, it's almost a must, huh? It is. <laughs> Thank you, my it friend. Is. Say hi to your wife. I'll do that. Take care. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, I'm Bill. Yes, sir. Yeah, hey, it's Roger. Call from Nebraska. Nebraska, all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to turn the CB down. All right. Yeah, just still calling on truckers there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell I can tell you're in a truck. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I had to turn everything off. But I've been listening for, well, for about three, four years now. I've been out here for nine, just driving at night, but you got a good show there. Well, would you would you think that we can get to more truckers uh right here or do you think the truckers network uh get them? Oh, right here. I don't even know truck truckers network. I ever heard it. <laughs> All right, I appreciate your call. Thank you. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. No, you're not. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. How you doing, Art? I'm all right. Where are you? Uh, I'm almost in Charlotte, North Carolina. I got to deliver load this morning. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, I came from all the way from Seattle with this load, and I'm here in Charlotte, and I've listened to you every night, uh, you know, the whole trip. And the the trucking shows that they're talking about. Yes. You know, I just heard a caller call and say they're born. They are born, and they've got them. They got them for a reason. They're trying to get you know news out and stuff, but it's not necessary. And and uh, all this money, the millions of dollars you're saying they're giving to these radio stations, they ought to put it towards a lobby group. That's what they're wanting to do is try to get things done for the trucking industry. Right. If they would put these millions of dollars towards uh, lobby groups, you know, in Congress and try to help get stuff done, it'd be a better purpose. And they, let them go ahead and do it. They'll, they'll see that their ratings drop, and just like we can't ignore D, you know, DOT out here on the road, a radio station can't ignore ratings. And when their ratings totally drop, you know they're going to turn around and change. Uh, you are exactly right, my friend. Thank you. But, of course, temporarily, you know, they get very attracted by the money, and they think that that's what the truckers are listening to because they call it a trucker's network. They think that's what truckers are listening to. Well... I could have taken a million more, but I thought I'd give you 30 minutes of a, an example of what the truckers are listening to. So, guys and gals, thank you. And if you uh, listen to a station, take a minute, call them up, and let them know what you really listen to.
Art Bell is taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again... Art Bell. All right, we're open for anything. Open lines once again. Thank you, everybody. Just wanted to prove a point. That's all. I've been hearing about this for years, you know, truckers networks. Like, you start a truckers network and automatically the truckers come. Sort of like uh, in Field of Dreams. Build it and they will come. Well, it's not that way. You know, truckers are no different than anybody else. And they like interesting talk radio the same as anybody else does. All right, um, there are a lot of things on my website right now that you really, really, really need to see. For one thing, we've got a cat page, some of the cutest cat photographs you've ever seen in your life. You know I like cats. Uh, we've got uh, more Hale-Bopp photos, and we're posting them as they come in. Feel free to send one. Uh, we have got an artist's conception of the Aurora, and we have what we believe are the precursors to the Aurora, the X. Uh, aircraft, very, very, very interesting uh, uh, photographs of um, experimental aircraft that probably are what became the Aurora. Take a look. Decide for yourself. We've got the Darwin page now. Those who contribute uh, uh, to uh, humanity's uh, gene pool purity by eliminating themselves in spectacular and sometimes very humorous ways. We have an aura taken with Curly in photography, and I want a guest on that subject. Please give me a guest on that subject. We have, um, in Kansas, there is a Virgin Mary crying tears of blood. That's on the webpage. We've got meteor impact images. We've got recording of, recordings of harp. All of that is up on the website right now at www.artbell.com. That's www.artbell.com. Dot com And I notice that Keith has just put up there, right under my photograph, we are the Truckers Network. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you, Keith. Now, look, if you don't have a computer, and I know a lot of you don't, um, we've got a newsletter. And we publish all of these photographs in our newsletter because we know you all don't have a computer. So the newsletter is called Art Bell After Dark. What does it have? It has all the photographs we put on the website and more. It has articles on guests that we interview that go into detail that you don't hear on the air. In other words, they ask additional questions. So how do you get the newsletter? Well, you call 1-800-917-4278. Right now, if you want to. 1-800-917-4278. Four two seven eight. Art Bell after dark. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah. Good morning, Art. Good morning, sir. Uh, just heard all the truckers reporting. I used to drive truck too, and when I was driving truck, if you would have been on the air, I would have had you tuned in. Uh, I'm Charlie. I'm calling from Medford, Oregon, and I listen to you on 100,000 watt KOPE 103.5 out of Medford here. The big one, the anchor. The big one, yeah, the Tower of Power. Yep. But I uh, just wanted to say a few complimentary things, man. Since I've tuned you in, you have been my nighttime entertainment where I work. I listen to only you. Oh, my. And uh, 
you know, I'm into flying saucers, extraterrestrials. I've seen flying saucers when I was younger. That'll change you. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm very open-minded. And uh, one thing I'd like to say to all the people out there who listen to you, man, keep tuned in to Art Bell because, man, you can't go wrong. And for all the people out there who are doubting Thomases, man, you know, hey, just look around you in the world today, what's going on. If you're a doubting Thomas, look with real eyes at the real world, what's going on around you. No. What you see on ABC, NBC, CBS, realize that most of that is just a big blanket and realize that Art Bell is telling the truth. And if he's uh, getting something strange on the air, hey, just in a few short months, what's coming across the Art Bell show is going to be reality. All right, it's coming friend. or it's here now. Thank you. I, I, I don't know if that's true. Look, some of what I put on the air is BS. You know, who are we kidding? Not all of it is true, and I, I, I appreciate support. It's not all true. What I put on is strange, and it's different, and it's chancy, and it's weird, uh, or it's mainstream. A lot of times I'll go that way, too. But it, 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 it's out there on the edge. Now, a lot of it is true, and a lot of it is stuff you don't hear in the mainstream media, but a lot of it's probably BS, too. I don't know. I try and stay out on the edge and let you hear things that you don't hear elsewhere. That's the magic to the program, I believe. Wildcard line, no, international line, you're on the air. Hi. Holy smokes, I can't believe it. I finally got through. Yes, you have. Where are you? Art, this is Clay calling from Victoria, B.C. Yes, sir. You know, I've been listening to your program for about a month now, I think. I'm, for the most part, I'm transfixed. Every now and then, as you say, there are things that are really questionable. But, uh, no, it's, it's an intriguing program. I Call toll-free 1-800-618-8255. No, sir, you, wait, wait, wait. Well, really questionable is the language you just used. You're not allowed to say that on the air. That's one of the seven deadly words. Oh, sorry. Did you beat me? Oh, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, yes. Glad to hear that. <laughs> Listen, uh, just going back to something the other night when Alan, Bell, or Alan Hale was on. Yes. I think there was somebody that phoned in with a prophecy. Does that ring any bells at all? Something about the world ending in 1999? Yes. Okay. I've got a, I've got something here from Mother Shipton that my grandfather gave me years and years and years ago. And just in hearing that prophecy, I thought, you know, geez, I'm <clears throat> pull that up, take a look at it. Uh -huh. Can I read you the last two paragraphs of this? Oh, uh, yes. It's written in quatrain. Oh, it's very hard to understand. Quatrains are interpretive. Uh, yeah, but it's, there's something about this I think you might want to hear. Now, given that Mother Shipton was, was writing in fort, somewhere around about 1490, 1495, and there's always some question as to whether she, whether her prophecies were entirely complete at a later point in time. It's something very interesting, though. And giving her the benefit of the doubt that uh, she's out by a few years at this point, listen to this. But those who live this century through in fear and trembling, this will do. Flee to the mountains and the dens, bog and forest and wild fens. Mm -hmm. For storms will rage and oceans roar when Gabriel stands on sea and shore. And as he blows his wondrous horn, old world shall die and new be born. The world then to an end shall come in the year 1991. Ni 1991? Yeah. So she's a few years off. But it's interesting, this, this, this idea of old worlds shall die and new be born. The, the copy of Mother Shipton I've got carries through, and it, it, predicts, it predicts things like uh, 
civil war, um, Disraeli becoming prime minister in Britain, yep. uh, the French Revolution, and on and on and on and on. It you know what? I, you know what I think it's going to sound like. What? Just like this. And then everything's going to start falling down one day. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Oh, no. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Howdy. Good morning, Art. Good morning, sir. In a truck, I bet. <laughs> Did you know? Just tried, a guess. I tried to get through earlier. <laughs> and uh, just, just wanted to say that uh, I break the stereotypical mold of the truckers. Driving along here, I have a master's degree. I'm in blue jeans and tennis shoes. I don't have a cowboy hat in the truck with me. No? I don't listen to the Truckers Network. I hate rock and roll music, and I hate country music even worse than that. <laughs> so I break the stereotypical mold. I probably also break the stereotypical mold of people who listen to you. I probably believe about 10% of what most of your uh, uh, the people you have on your programs say. But I do, listen, I do enjoy listening to your program. It kind of, you know, forearms me and kind of keeps me aware of of what's going on out there. But uh, just wanted to call and, and, and let you know that. Well, thank you. I'm not sure there is a stereotypical trucker anymore. Times are a-changing. Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, there are stereotypical teachers, which is what I used to do before I was into trucking, and that's kind of the reason I got out. Uh, the NEA, the liberalism of, uh, of, of uh, teaching and all that. Oh, I know. And I always wanted to travel. Uh, didn't want to join the military, so uh, <laughs> I drive a truck. Well, uh, be all you can be, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, you'll travel. I might have done that. I, um, I really, really, really have always enjoyed cross-country driving, particularly at night. I like night driving. Frankly, I think I've always thought night driving safer. Now, I know that may sound crazy, and a lot of people don't like to drive at night, but I think it's safer. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. I do. Uh, my name's Benson. I'm calling from Tucson, Arizona. Are you Hi, still Spence. taking truckers' calls? Well, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> took me a while to get to a phone. First-time caller. Uh, for me, myself, um, I don't listen to music that much. Uh, I used to carry a bunch of tapes with me, but I never, I never played them. I ended up listening to your show. Well, I was simply trying to prove a point that these truckers' networks uh, that, that are popping up here and there across the country are not necessarily an automatic listen for truckers. I agree. Uh, you know, uh, there is one old truckers' network, I guess you would say, that I was born in that city, so every now and then I get to see what the weather's like or whatever, if I'm on that side or whatever, but uh, if I'm going down the road and everything and I want to listen to something to Besides the squawk box, I turn that sucker off and listen to you. Or if it's daytime, you know, I listen to some doctor shows or whatever. But um, not really into music that much. I hear you. Uh, I hear you. Thank you very much for the call and the support. Look, music is all right, and uh, you know me, I love music. But it's only good for a while, and it kind of wears on you after a while. And what will really pass the hours is talk radio. So, you know, after you've musicked out, uh, and that doesn't take very long, then you're ready for something a little more stimulating that keeps your mind going, instead of just going thump, thump, thump. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art. Yes. Um, yes. Kim down here. Uh, I, I saw the hail bop first time. Oh, you did? Oh, incredible. 
uh, I know you've seen it a lot of times. Uh, I saw it and went out and got the binocs. Incredible. I know. I keep trying to talk people into going out. I hope I hope everyone goes out and look, looks at it because it's the closest thing we're going to get to God around here in a long time. Yes, sir. I'll tell you what, folks. About an hour from now, uh, about an hour from now, in fact, really right now, but about an hour from now, she'll really be high, uh, very high in the sky, about 40 degrees, it seems like to me. And it's just blazing across cold space. And it's a sight you've got to see. It is, I keep telling people, it is worth losing sleep over. See it. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi there, Dan in the U District. Hello, Dan. It's been a great night. Uh, Fred Bell, I thought it was pretty interesting, and uh, gee, I hope you can get him back on. Uh, and, you know, some of the things he was saying correlates real close to uh, the alien reproduction vehicle. Uh, I know it. I know it. I, I heard, I heard um, all kinds of things that rang bells there. And with regard to the uh, technology used during the so-called Philadelphia experiment, and all the rest of it, it all went click, 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 click. And uh, so he was an interesting guy. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, somebody who has a lot more stuff yet to tell you, if you could get him back on, it would be Mark McCandlish. Oh yes. Well, I've had Mark on, I think, about three times already. So we'll have him on again. Thank you very much, Dan. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, our Bill in Minnesota, they just <clears throat> wanted to remind you and that guy that called last half hour that uh, you're going to have that tough time getting J. Allen Hynek on because he's been dead about five years. Okay, well, uh, that doesn't absolutely rule it out on this well, program. Well, you sure. might have one of these psychic guys that can bring them back from the great beyond. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, hi, Art. This is Mike from Danville, California. Hi, Mike. Um, yeah, um, you always talk about, you know, the shuttle passing overhead. Have you ever seen it go over? Oh, I sure have. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, I saw it reentering uh, one night. Uh, as a matter of fact, I told the audience about it, and it was the most spectacular thing I ever saw. It started as like an orange glow in the west, about 20 degrees above the horizon. And then all of a sudden, it went shoo. Yeah. Right across and left this orange glow behind it just before sunrise. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was just, I experienced the exact same thing about the same time here about um, maybe six months ago. That's right. And it was magnificent. Absolutely awesome. I was expecting, you know, trying to look for a star, you know what I mean? The, and then when I saw it, it's like, yeah, it's noticeable. Oh, it's noticeable, all right. Just like uh, Hellbops, or get out and see that Hellbop is not only noticeable, it will bowl you over. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. Yeah, Gary from Central California. I think I think once we get you truckers started, we can't get you stopped. <laughs> Pardon me? Nothing. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, just to say, I've been watching your program for a couple of years now, and I'm going down I-5 here with uh, Hale-Bop on my left shoulder here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Right out the window. Isn't it pretty? Oh, yeah. I've been watching it for, oh, better than a week now. And I got my telescope set up out on the deck of the house. I can look right out there and watch it. Well, I, I, I found that a pair of binoculars or a lower magnification uh, monocular is better than an, a telescope, actually. Well, yeah, I do have a pair of binoculars. They're not too powerful. I, I do the... They give a better view of vision. I agree. And I'm, I'm a trucker, as you can tell. 
I don't listen to a lot of music when I do this country music, but I'm, I am listening to you probably 95% of the time at night. So. Well, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the support. There's another trucker. Um, that's what I've been telling people for years and years, and it'd be true. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, you're one busy pilgrim this morning. Um, why don't you clone yourself so you can get all these calls? <laughs> um, oh, I don't want to be a clone. You don't want to get cloned. Well, I wouldn't be a clone. I'd be cloned, wouldn't I? You want to be the original. Yeah. Yeah, I I have um, um, something to say about earthquakes. Um, I feel that there's going to be one within the next month with all the rain that we had yes. uh, in California. And right. um, the way the animals have been acting recently, you know, they act kind of weird. Well, we're clearly in a window. Uh, I guess you heard the news there was a seven-point earthquake hours ago in the Philippines. Oh, there was? Yes, ma'am. No, I didn't know anything about it. Well, then now, no, it's seven-point plus. Wow, my, my cat's been acting up all day. Really weird, doing unusual things, right. somersaults and what have you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's totally unusual for a cat, but I understand, uh -huh. yes. Well, you know, and my dogs have too. They've been doing things that normal dogs don't do. You know, normally when animals get out of whack that way, that means that uh, they're feeling coming. things that oh, it's true. we normally don't feel. I believe that the Japanese were the ones that came up with this uh, theory about animals sensing a lot more than human beings. Right. Um, I was wondering about your wife, Ramona. Why don't you ever put her on your show? I have. You have? Yes, two uh, or three times. Why Are don't you... you put her on your show to help you with all the calls and and to uh, add feedback to your show? Well... It would be very interesting. You mean kind of like Robin Quivers? Uh, no, not like that. But, <laughs> you know, she'd, she'd probably be pretty interesting on your show. I, you know, I will do that one mm -hmm. night, all right? Mm -hmm. There's one other thing I have to ask. Um, uh, your trips to Mazatlan, are they always during the summer or during the winter, or do you do this? Uh, Mazatlan, I usually go down there once during the winter. Do you rent cars down there? No. Do you make trips around the area? Absolutely not. Because I... I've been down there, and... No, no, the word is do not drive down there. Because do not drive. No, no, no. No, I mean just in the little local area, you know, when when you go down there to, to just relax. Uh, we take we take taxis, we uh -huh. rent vehicles and have drivers take uh -huh. us because if you get into an accident in, Me in Mexico, mm -hmm. bad news. I've driven down there Well, from you can, California you, all the way to Mazatlan. Yeah, you can do it, mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't do it. Let me ask you another question. Sure. Uh, what nationality is Ramona? Um, she is Spanish, Filipino, uh huh, Puerto Rican, okay, Chinese, mm -hmm. Hawaiian. Oh my goodness! And French. And wait a minute. Okay. And French Indian. That's beautiful. That's now, quite a mixture. Now, can I tell you what I think you are? <laughs> what do you think Your I nationality? am? What? Are you Hawaiian? No. You don't have any Hawaiian at all? I do not. You sound Hawaiian to me. Have you been in Hawaii? Uh, I lived on Maui for a while. Maui is beautiful. Oh, yes. That is a beautiful place to be. But at. I am not. That doesn't qualify me. I Believe me, I'm Holly. Oh. I'm Holly. <laughs> Why did you bring your wife to the desert? She's got allergies or asthma, doesn't she? The, um, the very dry air of the desert is good for her. Well, you know what I've heard? That the ocean air is a lot better for you. 
No, uh, whenever she whenever she goes toward the ocean, she gets attacks. So in her case, dry air is better, and that's uh-huh. she 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 loves it here, as do I. I see. Well, I have a son that has quite a few allergies. Listen, I'm at the bottom of the hour, and okay. I've, got, I've got a scoot. Tell her to drink coffee. Right. Oh, I know. Or Thank you, dear. All right, take care. We'll be right back. This is CBC. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. This one's for you, Diane. Oh, what I wouldn't do to be able to play the piano like that. Good heavens. Pointer Sisters, it never fails. They get my blood going. And uh, actually, it makes it hard to get to sleep later, you know? You ought to see them on stage. All daughters of a preacher man. Absolutely unbelievable. I want to meet the Pointer Sisters. That's one of my goals in life. Anyway, back to the lines we go. Open lines, anything you want to talk about, fair game, anything at all. That's the whole purpose of open line, unscreen talk radio. You never know what's coming next. On the international line, you're on the air. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you, Art, from about 1,200 miles north of the South Pole. Oh, my. This is Mark in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Mark. Yep. Uh, how are you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. What are you? Let's see, it ought to be... What, afternoon there or something? No, mate, it's uh, about 10.35 on uh, Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. We're about to roll up to Thursday. You guys go ahead and uh, enjoy your Wednesday because it's going to be a ripper. <laughs> Listen, I understand there was a 7-point-plus earthquake uh, near the Philippines uh, some hours ago. That's right. Uh, we registered it here, and also for the past four days, give you a little news info from this side of the planet, there's been a Class 2, uh, what you would call a hurricane, we call it a cyclone down here, mm-hmm. setting off about uh, 700 miles east of the uh, top end area, which is uh, Queensland and Northern Territory. It's been causing a lot of uh, heavy swells, doing a lot of erosion. It hasn't decided whether it's going to pick up speed and move away or come on in, but they've been experiencing a lot of rain and stuff like that. Well, listen, I, I am curious about something. Uh, here in America, 
uh, in North America, we've been having uh, certainly odd, uh, un inexplicable weather, and uh, I, I wonder if you have noticed uh, unusual weather patterns on your side of the world. Absolutely. This summer in the southern uh, third of the uh, bottom third of the country, which would be from uh, your friend Stan's area around Perth, right straight straight across over towards uh, Sydney which would include uh, Adelaide and Melbourne we've had really hot 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 spells of of course we're in celsius so I'll I'll change this for you but there've been days when there's been four or five days that reached 39 40 41 42 which is 39 celsius is uh, just a little over 100 fahrenheit so it's just been extremely hot ongoing here uh, throughout the, the summer. And, uh, you know, there's been really freaky things weather-wise going on down here as well. Well, join the crowd. I think it's worldwide. Uh, how do you manage to hear us? I take it you listen on the Internet. I listen on the Internet. When I was uh, doing some work for a company up in Hawaii, I picked you up off of uh, the Honolulu station, got totally addicted, and since then, I've just been plugging in every every day, actually, to listen to you. Or if I have to miss it, I pull it down off the uh, the Internet archives. I only wish, and this is for the wonderful people at AudioNet, please put the Art Bell Show on a 28.8 stream feed instead of a 14.4 because... Sometimes it gets a little echoey, echoey, echoey down here. I know. Well, I'm sure they're listening uh, in Dallas. Uh, they're good yep. people. They're very good people, and they do a lot of work. They do great work. I really appreciate what we've got because, you know, it's about the only way that you get any really uh, different types of news and stuff that's, that's really going on around the world because uh, there are, there's only a couple of folks that own the big news medias down here, newspapers, radios, televisions like that and uh, uh, News Limited is one of them with Murdoch and uh, it's pretty limited as far as global scope well listen my friend I'm going to move on and wish you good day it is I believe yes good eye <laughs> good day all right yeah. take, take care and, and, and good eye to Mona as well and uh, you guys keep up the good work thank Appreciate you it. take care uh, very nice uh, first time caller line you're on the air good morning how you doing, Art? This is Mike in uh, Billings, Montana, listening to you on 910 KBLG. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, just uh, curious. I'm going to be heading down towards Salt Lake here uh, to watch the Wildcats play in the NCAA tournament, and I was wondering uh, what station are you on down in the Salt Lake area? You would ask. Let's see. Uh, Utah, and I will tell you in about one second. Um, how about... Uh, KTKK, 6.30 on the dial in Salt Lake City. All right. Sounds good. All right. Keep up the good work, Art. Thank you. Show. Take care. 6.30. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. I just, uh, I just wondered if uh, you ever realized that, or has anybody ever realized that all the predictions, all these people make, the scientists and everything, the polls the poll shifting, all that, yep. it's... um. It's being generated through the media, and it's like building in everybody's head, and it's reality is being created right before everybody's eyes, and it's the blind truth that nobody knows. You know what? I've wondered about the same thing myself, sir. In other words, are we, in effect, creating our own reality? Are we creating it? Are we observing it? 
or are we, in effect, creating it? That is a topic unto itself, and we'll spend a lot of time on that one night. I'm not sure myself. I don't have all those answers. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art, this is a trucker calling you again. <laughs> How are you doing? You got to start it. I'm calling from uh, running rebel country here. Just passing um, Blue Diamond and headed to your house to get some breakfast there. Oh, you're <laughs> coming over the hill. Yeah, I'm coming over the hill here. I'd just like to say uh, that trucker station there um just primarily used for, uh, like, bad weather and, you know, road conditions which you won't get over other channels, you know, you couldn't tell me what's going on in Canton, Ohio, up up there in Washington as far as weather and road conditions. So I think that's the only time a trucker really uses the trucking channels there, right? Uh, I would say it's probably raining. You, you know, <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, I love your show. I've been listening to you for a while there. And uh, you can hear this work going on. We're building these, um, this runway here by the airport there. But um, I, I just do a good job there, and to all the truckers out there, y'all have a good time. All right, let me hear your horn. One time. Holy Alrighty. mackerel. All right, thank you. <laughs> See you later. See you later. Oh, that was a beaut, wasn't it? On our international line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Yes. Rob, Rob from Evanston, Alberta, Canada, calling. Yes, hi. Um, so I'm up on your site there, and I'm checking out your cat page. Uh, pretty cool, huh? Uh, it is. I figured I would... Um, I'd look at the ones that have uh, clever names and have a look at them. And I, my favorite, listen, the one you got to look at is the 50-foot cat. Oh, I never saw that one. Oh, yeah, you got to look at the 50-foot cat. Hmm. Okay, I'll do that. But anyway, I go through like the first the first five or six, and I'm skipping every other one, just look at the ones with the clever names, and, and everyone's good. And then I went back to, you know, the first ten, and uh, and they're, they're all great. It's amazing. Um, give, any, give any thought to um, the year 1999, everything is going to be brown. There's going to be, like, no greens. It's all going to be brown, browns and grays. Well, sounds like, you've been, yet? sounds like you've been listening to Major Dames. It is, but, I mean, has that sunk in? It's all going to be browns and grays. Browns and yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's depressing. I've got you. You said the other day that um, someone asked you if you were going to buy the tapes, but I didn't hear your answer. Um, the answer is I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I want to remote view. I, I probably wouldn't even have to buy them. I, I'm sure Ed would send them if I asked. I, I, I'm thinking about it. That's my answer. I mean, you can immediately prove to your your best friend who says it's not true. My buddy Dirk, he says that uh, you know it's not true. There's no way. It's just a just a gimmick. And I'm thinking, well, I'll get the tape for two fifty. You know, three hundred three hundred fifty uh, Canadian, whatever exchanges. That's and, right. You uh, guys have to pay a lot of a lot of extra money for tax, huh? Uh, it's just the exchange, not the tax. Oh yeah, there is a tax. There is too. Okay, there might be, but mostly just exchange. I mean, they anyway. come. They come. My understanding is that when you order something, they actually come to your door and they collect that right when you get the item. Really? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't exactly say that. When it comes from the states? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, they don't. They don't come to your door. No, I've, I've done it. They don't come to your door. Well, then how do they get their money? Um, I don't know. Actually, I never thought about it. Um. No, I just I just get exchange on my uh, credit card when I order the stuff. It's that simple. I don't know of a tax. Maybe but I, that, could, I could be wrong. Maybe that's a way around it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, I yeah I don't know. Am I going to get the remote viewing tapes? I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. K 
can you understand that? I, I'm interested in it, but I don't know if I want to do it. It's, it's kind of like astral travel. I'm intrigued by it, but I don't know that I want to do it. I might. So, so the honest answer is, I don't know. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, good morning, Art. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm all right. I think it's another trucker. I hit the volume the wrong way on the radio for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Dwight in Tennessee. Yes, sir. And I'm also a truck driver. I can tell. Uh, as you can tell, probably. <laughs> and I've, I've called you several times. but uh, Also a ham operator. No CB in the truck. I don't care anything about that. Well, look, I, you know, a lot of hams put down CB. I'm not necessarily one of them. When you're out on the road, CB is pretty handy. Well, yeah, it can be, but I have a local route, so I'm not, I'm never too far from the house. Oh, I see. I've got several guys to talk to on two meters. There you I go. I really don't need it. Well, that makes sense. And, of course, the cell phone here I'm talking to you on and all that, but uh, I don't listen to, uh, what's his name? Is his name Dave Nemo or whatever his name is? I, I don't know. Truckers. Truckers Network? Network or whatever. Yeah. Uh, don't listen to any of that. Actually, I think there are several Truckers Networks. Oh yeah, and and it's kind of like they think if they're if they put it up and they play country music and they say we are a truckers network automatically it's going to bring the truckers and I don't think it works that way. No, not necessarily. I want to ask you one question about somebody that you have may have talked to on ham radio without giving his call sign. Okay. His name is Doug. He travels the country picking up wrecked airplanes. That you may have talked to him on 160. I certainly have. Okay. Doug, it's a fine gentleman. You ought to meet him sometime. Uh, I know him personally. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I've talked to him on 160 meters. I just got on 160 about uh, four months ago. Yeah. And uh, I've talked to him uh, several times and his wife. Oh, yes. Her name is... Uh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it escapes me. <laughs> okay, I good. I can't think of her name right now, but anyway, she's in Oregon. And uh, he lives in Oregon also. That's right. No, I know them. And... Uh, yeah, he's Doug's the final gentleman. You ought to try to meet him sometime. Well, I, I'm sure it can be arranged. Oh, yeah. He, he comes through Tennessee quite often, and we have dinner every once in a while, what have you, so... You do, huh? Well, look, give me a blast on your horn. It's Trucker's Night. I can do that. You roll the window down? Yeah, but... <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. There you go. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Arpel. Yes, sir. Well, <laughs> this is Brian, and uh listening to... Casey Casey and Sam Rindino Riverside. Yes, sir. I think that those are cool calls. I always like Casey Casey. Yeah, and they're, they're uh, not broadcasting you on the weekends anymore. And well. uh, there's a big uproar out here about it. And I'm getting nervous. Oh, boy. Hey, uh, the comet just uh, cleared the mountains up here, and it's a real pretty, pretty sight. A little bit hazy, though. It's Coming over the hill. Well, it will clear as it gets higher. Yeah. Uh, when is it due to uh, come up in the west? Well, it already is, actually. Um, I'm understanding, I understand that a lot of people have seen it in the early evening, but it's very low. Okay. Uh, so, about uh, the radio station, how can I, uh, you know, ask the program directors to uh, keep you on on the weekend? Well, what you do is you call up and you politely request it. Okay. And radio stations are responsive to people who call them and, and act nicely and, and just make a nice request. And usually what you want to try to do is get through to the program director or the manager. Okay. And uh, and just ask nicely. 
All right. Thank you very much, Art. Thank you, sir. Take care. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Whoa, after a month. <laughs> hey, I've been researching uh, Art, Art Al Bieler's thing. Yes, sir. For about a month. And uh, I found that uh, Von Neumann algebras exist, and there's books on it. All right. Um, Hilbert Space is, exists. It's a big deal uh, in mathematics. And uh, Norman Levinson uh, wrote a book, uh, well, a couple of books. Uh, he was a mathematician from MIT. Uh, I also found out that uh, uh, a lot of what Tesla was doing, uh, uh, it still isn't understood. Oh, that's uh, true. Uh, all this stuff about a uh, radiant type of energy that really isn't uh, anything like uh, Hertzian waves. No, I know, and, and a lot of what Dr. Bell said earlier rang right down that alley. Yeah, it was, uh, I missed it. I was sleeping, unfortunately. Uh, oh. uh, the question I have for you right now is, uh, but are, have you heard anything from... Uh, Madman, or are you going to have Al Bielek on? I am desperately trying to get hold of Madman, and I would have Al Bielek on again if I could find him. Oh, <laughs> one of those things. One of those things. Uh, well, anyway, I really, uh, uh, I'm really intrigued by whether or not that stuff is true, and I, I wish uh, more people could. Uh... What I think, sir, is that if it's not all true, and it probably isn't, that something did occur. There was a Philadelphia experiment. Something happened. Yeah. I'm convinced. Thank you uh, very much for the call, and we'll be right back. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art. Yes. Uh, yes, I'd like to ask you a question or two about the, your guest tonight, about the, the time traveler. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Mr. Bell? Dr. Fred Bell. Dr. Fred Bell. Uh, I came in at the top of the hour on, the, on your second hour. I didn't catch the first hour. Ah. Did he say, could he control the year, the date, the time? He could go into the future or the past? Or not the at all. Not at all. Number one, he was unable to go into the past, and he was only able to go very briefly into the future. He thought milliseconds into the future. Well, I heard and, you say that. And when he got far enough into the future, there was nothing but blackness. But uh, you don't know, remember the uh, guest you had on in January, Steve Gibbs? Yes. You remember he said you could specify, you know, putting in the date and year. Oh, I, I remember, yes, of course. Now, now, have you had a lot of scientists uh, throughout the United States calling you up saying they have bought one of those machines and done done a, a thorough test in physics laboratories? Not yet. We are all awaiting uh, the first delivery of the machines and people's reaction. Well, I know it's been since January, and I thought maybe a physicist at one of the uh, uh, colleges had took a thorough analysis and, and done a lot of diagnostic tests to see if this thing is really up to what he claims it is. And I've I got a suggestion. How about Mr. Bale and Steve Gibbs being on the show together and comparing notes? <laughs> what do you think of that idea? Well, maybe we'll have a, uh, a sort of a, a, and then we could get Madman Markham. Get all our time, people, together. Yeah, that would be interesting. There you are. But let me tell you one thing, uh, give you my opinion about Mr. Bell. I think he's more convincing than Steve Gibbs. Do you agree or disagree with me? Um, I am still considering uh, Dr. Bell. I thought he was fascinating. And and so I'm sorry, I, I can't be, you know, I'm thinking it over, so I can't be pinned down more than that right now. But I will render up to you my opinion. I, I am very thoughtful about Dr. Bell. 
Um, and I do not dismiss him easily. And we may have him back. You know, it's one of those things that you listen and you digest and you, you try and decide, not easily. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Ar. This is the Italian Stallion. Yes, sir. I just want to compliment you on the rerun show, John Sajak. Uh, on he, Sunday, he was, yes. He was right on with a lot of stuff. But I think a real interesting show would be on insects, because insects will be here when we uh, all die, and they'll be here long after the world has come to an end. They tell us when... Well, you know something, uh, just, thinking, uh, just thinking about that is a good reason to step on a couple today. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art, how you doing? Okay. Hey, great. Uh, yeah, you know, not only are you talking to a trucker, but an uh, ex-radio DJ and someone who's wearing Dr. Fred Bell's Pleiadian necklace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want to know what results that is, I really uh, haven't had any effect with that necklace. Uh, well, yes, I have. I guess for a 34-year-old, I... Uh, uh, everybody says I look like I'm in my mid-twenties. <laughs> so maybe Ooh. it is rejuvenating my DNA. The necklace o' youth. All right, listen, uh, my program is over, so you're getting the honors. You know what they are? Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, from Austin, Texas, all the way to Pahrump, Nevada, and uh, Mel's Hole in the Galactic Federation out in space. Good night, universe. <laughs> from the high desert. Good night, world. Good night, world.